What's going on, gang, and welcome back to Scared of Normal. I'm Mike Murphy, joined by my co-host, Matt Cordova, and on this episode, we're stoked to be sitting down with the world-traveling photographer and more famously known as the homeless BMX legend, Robert Barranco. Welcome to the show, man. <laughs> you had to do it. You knew it was <laughs> you coming. You had to do it. You knew it was coming. I was world famous. I was like, how is this sentence ending? <laughs> I should have known. It's, it's, you know, one of those things where I feel like that'll never leave your person. Once I saw that written out for the first time, I was like, this is never leaving me. Like, my friends will never drop this. And here we are, seven years later. You just I, have to embrace it. Man. I have to. I have to. I love it. I can't wait to, like, dig into that topic a um, little later in this episode because yeah. I feel like it's such, like, a point of contention for you now. It is. And it's one of those things probably in the moment when that article and that video came yeah. out that you probably never realized how... It was going to follow yeah. you forever and it's such a cool project but yeah yeah it's just the it's not even the word homeless i could care less about that because that's accurate at times it's the word <laughs> legend i'm like you don't throw that out there yeah you don't throw th- yeah like, that's a hard one to throw around i'm man. like you don't know about this world don't throw the word legend <laughs> call me homeless i don't care hey man it got the clicks i saw sure. i actually so today when i was getting this episode all set up mm-hmm. i was like going through some of that stuff and that video is like at three million views almost million and i was like holy God. smokes dude like legendary really sold the video man. maybe that's i am a legendary BMX legend. that is legendary <laughs> i mean that's more views than a lot of people in bmx have that's pretty legendary man, that's so. a lot of views maybe maybe it's legendary <laughs> i like it dude yeah i'm stoked man we've been trying to pin this one down for we were just saying like over a year now so over a year and we live 20 minutes from each other <laughs> and yeah yeah you're a busy guy man you are too world traveler dude so yeah i'm excited yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun to like get this one rolling and yeah so for those who are unfamiliar with who you are how would you describe who you are to the people um man that's a i never had to to describe myself i feel like outside of a school project um (laughs) i ride bmx bikes i shoot photos both of those are just passions so to say um and leave leave town as often as i possibly can for yeah whenever i can (laughs) kind of bounce off that so i love it man yeah let's throw it back to the very beginning where did you grow up uh grew up in south florida uh davie florida i always say fort lauderdale or Miami because those are 20, 30 minutes away. No one's heard of Davy. Yeah, I was going to say, I've never heard of Davies. So. Yeah. Every now and then I've been in some weird places where they're like, uh, Davy. And I'm like, you shouldn't hmm. know that. <laughs> are you from there? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why do you know that? Um, but yeah, then I uh, moved up to Orlando to go to college and had a good friend group up there. So continued living in Orlando. Lived in Jacksonville for like nine months and back to Orlando and I was just avoiding leases. I was couch hopping, sleeping on deflating air mattresses of, to avoid leases. And I'm like, I clearly want to leave. I'm like, <laughs> just leave. So I did. And now I live in Boulder. Sick. So, so. you left Florida and moved to Boulder, yeah? Uh, I lived in Arvada for a little bit. Um in uh, Jason's mom's basement. Yeah, uh, shout be- out Jason Lorenz, yes, man. Yes, I was. I didn't want to wait till to finding a place. He's like, dude, just get out here. We'll figure it out. And I'm like, cool. All right. So I went from a deflating air mattress to a cot, and 
That's sick. And then eventually, yeah, right? And then I bought my first bed in six years. (laughs) Did you feel very domesticated after you bought the bed? Yeah, I was like, it was weird. It felt like I was, it felt like I was like getting a, like, like a, like a pet or a wife, some sort of commitment. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't just like bounce around. Before that, before the bed, everything I own fit my car. And I'm like, all of a sudden, that's not the case. Oh, like, yeah. So there's Throw some on the roof. Yeah. Right? I'm like, <laughs> I could really. But yeah, that was, it felt like a commitment after couch hopping. For I feel like three every years. Traveler, that, traveler that I know, that's the rule of thumb. It's like, yep. if I can't fit it in my car, I don't want it. Yes. I don't need it. I just have yes. everything in my car and that's it. That's exactly what I was like, like all right, am I, am I buying a mattress right now? Am I doing this? Because I'm like, I can't just up and leave now. I can't just head out. I picture you signing the lease on your place in Boulder and like sleeping on a like sleeping mat for a couple of weeks before you made the decision to buy the mattress. Oh yeah, I'm like, all right, is this is this what I'm doing? Like, <laughs> because all of a sudden you just, but I, I was like, all right, I like Colorado enough. I don't see myself like leaving, so I, I'll I'll take this as a home base. Yeah, but yeah, some you, sort of commitment. You've in got my life. far more elevation here than you did back in Florida. A little bit. When little we were bit. out there earlier this year for Swamp Fest, we discovered that Florida has only three hundred feet of elevation. And uh, me and Matt the whole time were just like, "What?" So the park next to your house now probably has more elevation than Florida. Yeah, yeah, honestly, <laughs> like guarantee. It. I mean, I think I don't know if it's true, but at least in South Florida, I think the highest elevation is at. Uh, what used to be trash dumps, but they turn them into city parks. Like, and wow. my, like the county park behind my parents' house is a, what used to be a trash dump. And now it's just big hills. That's so crazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. When we've learned that, I was just like, we were actually drove past like the highest point in Florida. And I was like, this is freaking bizarre, yeah, dude. Like we could stand on here and see across the whole state. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't exist here. Just so no, flat. So BMX, like when did that come into your life in Florida? Um, I was... I don't remember how old I was when I started asking my parents for a dirt bike and I wanted to ride motocross and they having no insight into that world only knew what they saw on TV, you know, doing flips, uh, supercross, all that. And they're like, you're not getting one of those because in their head, every bike did that. Yeah. And so like, no, no. I was like, we, we always had like a little one of those 1080 ramps out front. And we would jump everything we owned on it, like, and started jumping a bike more often. And I was like, all right, what about a BMX bike? So I got a BMX bike. I think it was for Christmas. And um, eventually did get a dirt bike. But the closest track was, I think, two or three hours away. Jeez. Whereas, so I was riding the skate park all the time. And I was riding motocross once a month. I was never racing, but I was hitting the track once a month and I was That's like, sick. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was like I was bouncing back and forth and I was like, Well, I eventually wanted a nicer BMX bike. Well, and it would have been a lot harder to be a homeless motocross legend. That's you know? that's not easy. That's, <laughs> I might have gotten places faster, but that, that's true. But you can't just take apart uh you can't take apart your uh motorcycle that's and, true. and sleep on top of it <laughs> like you can a BMX bike. So when did you what year? How old were you? Were you when you got that BMX bike for Christmas? Dude, I think I was like 15. So later than a lot of people. And I started like, yeah, I think it was like 14 or 15. And, but I was like jumping bikes for a long time. But like, again, it was, that was just putting a kicker out front and pedaling fast. Like I always think I'm like some of those gaps I hit on like ramp to ramp. Then I wouldn't want to do that. I was actually just thinking, so I like rekindled a friendship with an old friend. 
uh, that I grew up with when I was like, you know, 10 years old Mm -hmm. or whatever, when we were jumping the plastic 1080 kicker ramps. And I just remember we would like measure them by sidewalk blocks, you know, and like there was some where they were, they were like, you know, three or four spacings of them and like, Yeah, I don't think I would hit those ever again. Stuff like like gaps that I wouldn't prefer not to hit now. Yeah, on a, a ramp that could move. Oh, oh my gosh, that's the scariest thing yes. ever. Whenever you hit it, and it's yep. just it just shifts. I'm like, you know, you don't even realize it until afterwards. Sometimes you're like, wait, was that ramp on the line before? Now it's not. That was an era, though. That was a special era because yeah. I feel like kids aren't out there in the streets like that no, anymore with those no. stupid little ramps, just no. like getting sent, like. I just remember like jumping into the grass. Did you yeah. guys ever do that? Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just jumping in the grass, and then it was like, all right, can we jump a body length, ramp to ramp? And then it was like, yeah, just getting carried away. And then yeah, eventually going to skate parks. And I think that was around like fifteen or sixteen or something. Sick. What was the? Where was the closest skate park to you? Probably fifteen minutes from me. It was like a. It's called Brian Piccolo Skate Park. It was a big old like wooden x games course basically like big box jumps oh, big quarters yeah actually yeah because mike spinner used to ride there a yes lot. yeah yeah okay. he would ride there so basically like it was like it was weird growing up riding that because like like you can learn a million tricks there because it's all just like fly out fly out but it was it was a box jump that like like you only did the tricks you really had i think it was a tw- it was a 12 foot box jump okay and with like a 14 foot 12 to 14 foot Fort wall in front of it with too much vert on it so like you learn a bunch of tricks but like you would do two or three over the box and it was it was so big to the point that like you funny you mentioned mike spinner he went to a community meeting for the skate park and was like hey i ride x games i ride a dude tour this box jump is too big no way it doesn't need to be 12 feet after a vert wall that small like and they shortened it like whoa they shortened it two feet like yeah and uh but yeah, it was like it was like you you learned all your tricks fly out and like the ones you were really comfortable with, like you took over, over the whole the... box because it, it was no joke. Like it was, that sounds savage, dude. Yeah, it was like like yeah, it's funny because like I said, everyone had a bunch of tricks because you're just a million flyouts at a box jump skate park. Sure, and and then uh, once you're really feeling it, you just crank after that. Take it wall. over the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Dang. That yeah. That and then that and then. Mike Spinner's house was like 30 minutes away. So we'd occasionally yeah. ride that. That place looked like it was a lot of fun too. So much fun. I was just talking to someone recently about that place. And it was like, in hindsight, we, at that age, we were like, oh, like a resi, a foam pit. Like you want to like learn a bunch of tricks. But now it's like, man, as a skate park, I would kill to ride that thing right now. Yeah. Like, oh, it'd be so fun. Totally. Like, I could care less about learning a trick. When I want to just. Would you ride uh, Spinner's Yard? Were you like 15, 16? So? 15, 16. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even like 17 range. A little older. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was funny because like we'd learn tricks going to like Woodward occasionally. And then like the ones that you like weren't comfortable to take back to that 12 foot box jump. It's like, oh, well, now there's a resi here. And like, Damn, like I said, sick. that's how we would like ride it sometimes. But now it's like, man, that would be just a fun skate park to ride. Like, yeah. The, the setup hips of and it. everything mm-hmm. are so cool. Dude, that's. Those ramps don't exist anymore, do they? No, the the resi was donated to this local park, and that local park was torn down recently. Dang. Actually, like a few months ago. So, had had a good life. That's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you get the BMX bike like high school age. Yeah. Were there any other sports that you were interested in at the time? I played soccer till I was like, I don't know what age. I stopped playing soccer and started refereeing soccer. Okay. I, there was a brief period where I was like refereeing, just because like, 
playing soccer, like when I was younger, I like knew everyone at that city park. And first time I needed a job, she's like, oh, you can like referee. So Damn, I would like, sick. so it's funny because I would like referee. Uh, the soccer field was like five minute drive, maybe 20 minute pedal from the skate park. So I'd like referee and not play soccer and pedal my BMX bike <laughs> 20 minutes to the skate park <laughs> and then go ride there instead of uh, playing. And that was like, yeah, this slow transition over to, uh, yeah. To the BMX yeah. away from the, the traditional sports. Exactly. And then there was no looking back. I ran, I ran track and cross country for a little bit in high school. And then I was like, I'm like, every day I want it to rain yeah. so practice is canceled <laughs> i'm like let me stop <laughs> let me stop you know it's bad when you want it want the weather yeah. to come in and cancel like i was doing all right like we like we would run like five k's and stuff i was doing all right but i wasn't wasn't breaking records i'm like i don't need to do this like it was That's offered because my history teacher was the cross-country coach and i turned in my papers and he looked at me like don't want to run anymore and i was like no i don't <laughs> i don't want to run anymore take me off the team <laughs> take me off the team coach talking about your history teacher were there any subjects in high school that you enjoyed dude it's funny i think about this all the time and i think we've spoken about this like could care less at the time but i find myself like digging deep into these topics that i was taught about in high school and college but just could care less at the time mm -hmm. but i'm like i'm like slowly becoming like a fascinated with all history and in school i was like i don't why am i like history what's the point i'm just memorizing for the test and then i forget it mm -hmm. but now i'm like i have like 100 tabs open on my phone at all times i gotta come back i gotta finish reading that like just about stuff that i was taught but didn't care That's and so i feel like that comes with traveling too is like you're interested you're you're all of a sudden in the place that you were learning about and now you're interested yeah it's like applicable right like, yeah i think that's the hard part about like that type of stuff in school it's like there's no reference point for it so you're just like wait what? why why exactly. am i supposed to care about yeah this? yeah it's like these like the, like whatever like vietnam isn't a real place when you're in middle school and you're just learning about all this stuff and then like yeah the town you live in is the biggest thing that you're really aware of exactly right? like, exactly it's like it's funny i like i always think about that example like i i was in vietnam and we were going to a war museum and I was like, man, I wish I like paid more attention about school. I mean, uh, in school about this so I could like know what I'm walking into. And then I walked into the museum and saw the uh, the atrocities we committed. And I'm like, oh, they just didn't teach us. Yeah. They, they just left that us. stuff out. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't me not paying attention. They just didn't inform us what we did. <laughs> I feel like that's the hard part about history too is especially, you know, the way we learn it in school, it's very mm -hmm. one-sided, you know? So that's like so a tough thing too. So when you get to see both sides, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe it is a little more interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's interesting being aware of that now and wondering like, how is this going to be portrayed in 30 years, like 40 years? Totally. Like, yeah. I think current times right now about that all the time. Dude, like, yeah. dude, that, it's going to be spun so weird in books. So ridiculous. Yeah, like, that'll be an interesting thing to look at like, you know, a kid's book about yeah. like this era of time and be oh. like what wait what yeah. that's not what happened yeah. yeah like your kids coming to you with homework and you're like no that's not how i remember it <laughs> like, it's coming. i was there and that's yeah. wrong was, that's not what we did <laughs> we were we were we couldn't leave our house in 2020 yeah totally <laughs> yeah. dude so you go through high school you mentioned earlier that you went to college yeah yeah i was 
I didn't have a specific reason to. It was kind of just like, I got nothing going on else right now. And I had some scholarships. So I went to school in Orlando. And um, because I had no specific goal, I just did a like general business, the most vague possible degree you could ever get. And I was like, like stuff that just, I always say it's stuff that seemed like common sense when you're being taught it. And then you like get to a multiple choice test and like four answers seem potentially accurate. And I was like, oh, I should have listened better. But it was like, yeah, I was kind of just like, oh, this is my best thing going on. Like if I had anything else specific that I could like hop on or like move to, or I was like, yeah, I'd do that. But for right now, I'm like, I was open to the idea of just doing a year and just seeing what else was out there. But I'm like, yeah, right now I have a huge friend group here and half the reason I chose Orlando was just because of the skate parks up there and like, and those were all concrete skate parks. So that started the switch from like, forget box jumps and tricks right now. I just want to ride concrete. And that slowly That's changed cool. all that. Yeah. At that point in time, like when you were moving to Orlando for college, had you gone on any road trips yet? Or are you still like the road trip virgin just kind of have ridden in Florida? That's I, it? Yeah, pretty much just ridden in Florida. I had... I'd always traveled a bunch with my family. Like every summer we went out west, like usually to Colorado, sometimes Montana, California, wherever. Like we would always road trip a bunch. Like we would never pick a destination and just stay there. We would be like, okay, we're going to try to think one of the, I think one time we flew into Salt Lake, drove to Lake Tahoe and flew out of Lake Tahoe. So the entire family trip when I was younger was road tripping. So I feel like that kind of instilled some of it. But yeah, I didn't start doing trips on my own or for BMX until college. Yeah. Okay. So, and I, it's funny cause before moving up to Orlando, I was kind of like, ah, I'm fine. I don't feel that I didn't have a desire. Like I love the mountains, like, but never had a desire to like travel extensively. And then I, until the BMX trip started and it was like, ah, interesting. This can keep going. What was the first BMX trip? Do you know? Yeah. It was with, uh, with Danny Josa. Nice. He, Danny, yes, he was like, uh, it was to Texas Toast in Austin. And I, I think, think that's the first time I met dude, you. Then. I think that was the first <laughs> time I met you, which is so crazy. Cause he's like, dude, let's just like drive out there. And I'm like, like not having done a big road trip aside from with my family, I was like, I drive to Austin from Orlando? Like, oh yeah, I don't I don't know. And uh it was me, Danny, and Brian Fox. And we were like, Yeah, let's just do it. And we stayed with friends and if we didn't have anywhere to stay, we found people that did have a place to stay. And like, I think in Austin, I like slept, like Brian and I slept on the floor between two hotel beds of someone that ha did have a hotel. And like, we spent like no money and just did a ton of driving and wrote a bunch of stuff. And I was like, uh, that's where it started clicking. I was like, that was easy and that was cheap. And especially cause like school was relaxed at the time. And I mean, were you working at the time? Um, no, I had. So before moving up to college, I worked at a skate park, that same skate park, Brian Pickle Skate Park. And they gave me a ton of overtime hours, which I wasn't even legally supposed to have at the time. And I was making good money or working a lot of overtime and had scholarships for school, like not from anything crazy. It was just like, you know, they say like scholarships are out there if you just find them. So I just found some. So I wasn't paying for much for school. Housing was covered. I had a skate park money. Uh, so I wasn't having to work yet. Sick. And so I was kind of just like, like a lot of assignments were online. So like 
I mean, it, it that started like a chain effect of like me slowly lying to all my professors. I'm like, oh, I'm going on a trip for work. And, uh, oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm like, oh, like I'll be doing all the assignments, but I won't be in class. Oh, no problem at all. Like, they think I got some big job going. And I'm like, <laughs> like sleeping on the floor, sleeping in a car. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. But, yeah, it it that slowly started the whole, like, okay, traveling can be cheap and a lot easier. And, like, even just the lack of planning we had for that trip opened my eyes to, like, Oh, it's it'll it's it'll work. Like even like my family trips when we were younger, it was very like, oh, fly in here, drive to here. Both places are beautiful. Everything in between is cool. So like, I was never like dead set on there has to be a plan for everything. And um, but yeah, I was like that. The the BMX trips opened my eyes to That's that so whole cool. world of like. Okay. This can be done. This can be done. And cheap. And you don't have to have money, and you can lie to your college professors. <laughs> At one point, we were doing a uh, doing a trip to Asia, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a stretch, but let's see if he buys it. I'm like, going to, uh, going to China for work. <laughs> He's like, what kind of work? He's like, what kind of work do you do? Uh, marketing. And... Um, I mean, China was just the layover, but I wasn't going to like list all the Southeast Asian countries we were going to. And yeah, he's like, yeah, it's fine. Like took uh, took uh, all my assignments on the road wow. and like was able to do like Danny and I drove across the country once like during finals week. And I would just like hop on Wi-Fi when I had that was before hotspots were a thing. Hop on Wi-Fi when we we're staying at someone's house, do my final exam. And then I'm like, I'm like, man, this is not what I expected college to be like. But this is great. Like, college is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I don't awesome. think most people's college <laughs> experience exactly. is like that. That's what I get for doing general business. <laughs> <laughs> the broadest topic you can ever uh, pick for yourself. So how quickly did it go from the road trip to Austin, Texas, to doing an out-of-country trip? Was that a pretty quick progression? Um, Rather quick, yeah. Like, Danny's, oh, Danny's from Hungary. He started planting it in my head. He's like, you got to come back to Hungary with me. Because, like, what he did was, like, he would live in the States pretty much, go back to Europe for the summer, ride all the contests there. And he's like, just one summer, just come back with me. We'll road trip everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I will, I will. And eventually I did. And we, like, we drove from Budapest to i'm trying to think the furthest we went budapest to barcelona and that was a long drive and but we just hit everything in between and i'm like this is just as easy as it is in america if not easier because i'm like i always think like driving road trips are more expensive typically in europe whereas public transportation is dirt cheap you know you could fly somewhere for six bucks take a bus for five euros, you know, but you'll be going like two days without tolls and you'll hit like a 30 euro toll. But I'm like, still, this was super doable. Like, granted, we have like the advantage of BMX and like knowing people everywhere, but being able to just like, oh yeah, I have a friend here that I met once and like staying, but whenever we didn't, we were just sleeping in public parks like and i was like oh this is super easy we're doing exactly what we did in the states but overseas i'm like this whole this whole traveling thing is way cheaper and way easier than i thought if you're not dead set on having a bed that night yeah. or 
or eating a ton. <laughs> so where did that like idea come from for you where you're like, oh, we can sleep on the hotel room floors or we can sleep in tents? Like, were you looking at other BMX guys or were you looking at like stuff on YouTube? Like, where did that whole mindset come from of like, oh, we don't have to have our own room. We don't have to have a camper or whatever. It was so like, it wasn't like a, like one big turning point, but it was like, like I said, that first trip to Austin, I like slept between the beds in the hotel and like spent no money to stay anywhere. And then like started doing other trips and just like, well, it started off like we would sneak into campgrounds. Like, okay, ride the skate park till the lights go off, go get food. Where are we sleeping tonight? There's a campground right here and there's no one at the, at the front gate. We can pay if we want on our system. And so we just, start, we started sneaking into campgrounds and you set up the tent leave before anyone's there and you actually had a campground for the night and you didn't pay anything or if you felt like it honor system and um and then like i had always seen like a a few photos of like skaters or bike riders with like tents in the bottom of a bowl somewhere and i'm like that's the sickest thing ever like that's so cool and it was kind of just something i like saw when i was younger it was just always in the back of my head and I don't remember the first time we slept in a skate park, but it was start. It started when we were like trying to. It was we all lived in Orlando. We had this friend group, this house that I'll get into, but we like had ridden everything around us in Orlando and like Georgia. Like I know we rode a lot of the parks together, but like not many people know that Georgia is a gold mine for concrete skate parks, and we didn't realize it at the time. Like oh, there's a skate park up there. Let's go ride it. And then you find two more, ride two more. And like every other week we would go up to Georgia and this would be like, we all work together too. It'd be like 9 PM and the idea would hit and we'd go home, pack up the car. Cause like we have nothing, no responsibilities and um, drive up that night and sleep in the car. If we couldn't find a, if we couldn't find a campground to sneak into it was like let's just drive to the skate park let's see let's go check out the skate park and then you start all right well there's some trees we could put the tent in or well we might be visible well if we put the tent in the bowl <laughs> no one can see us and then it's just like and then it just started getting ridiculous we got so bold That's sometimes sick. it just like do you have like a memory from that era of time like getting caught there okay so the only time hmm the only time we've really gotten caught, like we've had people see us in the morning, like or we hear, hear people at the skate park, like on the deck, and they're like, oh, we're uh, they, we're freaking them out. I guarantee it. Sometimes we'll be in there, like, oh my gosh, are we good? And I'm like, no, like Corey and I always joke about like the, the quote from our friend Dustin that you have to out sketch the sketchy people. And we are the sketchy ones. <laughs> we're in the tent at the bottom of the bowl. People are afraid of us. Uh-huh. We have to remember that and. Um, so yeah, but like that was always people that are just like super into like we come out of the tent if they're happy because we usually wake up pretty early because you can only be so comfortable or sleep so long, especially in like the Georgia humid morning. And it's like, yeah, you wake up sticking to the tent Mm -hmm. and when the sun's up, you're up. So if someone happened to be there, they're just kind of like keeping a distance, like giving you like a side eye of like, that's the guy. But then we actually ride the skate park and they see we weren't just homeless being crusty yeah, in the bottom of the exactly. bowl exactly like we're being crusty in the bottom of the bowl and we ride the bowl so um but yeah the first time we ha- we've only gotten 
fined one time. He got ticketed. Uh, it was funny. It was actually in Colorado, in Colorado National Monument National Park. I think that's what it's called. Okay. But um, we were driving to, uh, I forget, we think we were driving to Vegas. And we're like, oh, there's like, we'll just drive through this park here. And it was like pitch black. And we knew there was a campground at the end of like, if you were to take the road all the way to the end of the park. But something that we were just like, ah, it would be kind of cool to sleep on a cliff. And so we're like studying the maps, like, well, for like, we don't have service, but like the maps loading on your phone. And we're like, ah, oh, it looks like there's a pull off right here. And we like, we set up, uh, we set up the tent and it looks like there's a drop, but you can't really tell where it is. You just see oh, like man. this darkness 10 feet from the tent. And I'm like, man, I feel like we're not going to stand this close in the morning, but maybe it's a five foot drop. Who knows? And, um, like we're like in this state of like half, half asleep, half awake the next morning. And we hear a car door shut. I'm like, oh, there's someone parked behind us. Like they must be here for the lookout. And, uh, we hear a good morning. And I'm like, oh, that was a, <laughs> that was a voice of authority. <laughs> I can tell. And we like unzipped the tent and like, so you guys know you can't be camping blah 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 the whole speech like because you're in a national park outside of a campground and that's where they care so and we're like ah oh, yeah and we we always pull this because we've had that's the first time we got caught by like cops or park rangers but we've had people upset with us before and we always pull that oh we were so tired last night we just didn't feel safe driving anymore and i'm like yeah we just want to find somewhere safe to just put down the tent and like, so we're like looking at the cops and seeing the cliff for the first time. And we're like, okay, that was a cliff. And you just see this canyon like 10 feet from our tent. And I'm like, so I say like, yeah, we're trying to find somewhere safe to sleep for the night. And she like looks at me and like looks at the drop as if like, yeah, somewhere safe. Okay. I'm like, it was dark, man. I didn't, know. I, didn't see. I, I didn't know that that was five that feet. Was yeah. So we like, we're like, all right, we'll pack up. And she gives us. Gives us, uh, I think it was like 80 bucks, a fine. Uh, and we were like, man, like we had, like we kept saying like, I felt like the, the Bonnie and Clyde of camping, but, and we got caught. We got, dang, dude. that was it. But knock on wood, I think that was the only time. I think that's the only time we've gotten in, like in trouble with the law because that, of it. That's like, impressive. Yeah. At least it was only like an $80 fine and not like $80 a person exactly. or something like that. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause they're, they're pretty strict about that yeah. stuff. It could have been a lot worse. And we just like took our sweet time packing up the tent and like looked at the view and like shot photos of it and everything. Dang. And, but yeah, that was the only time we've really been caught, but that's super. Every impressive. other time we're just like sketching people out. But <laughs> Heck Yeah. So as you're like starting to travel around and doing all this stuff, you have this really incredible like group of friends you're living with in Orlando. Is that right? Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, that came about. So I was living with, um, I was living with Adam, Adam LZ and, uh, cause I met him in Orlando and I didn't have a car and we like ran into each other on campus and, uh, I was like, we like started talking and I was like, oh, like you ride. I, I kind of knew who he was. I like knew he rode bikes, knew he made videos. That was it. And um, so he was like, he's like, yeah, like I, I could pick you up. We can go to skate park or something. So like we started riding together all the time. And he eventually was like, like, well, we were both living on campus and we had to get an apartment. And he's like, you want to just like be roommates? I'm like, yeah, I'm down. And it, that was right around the time that the that the the skate park funds from when I was like sixteen 
were like running low and I was going to start looking for work. And he was like, dude, if I order stickers, like a sticker, like a vinyl machine, will you cut stickers? And I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, yeah, I'm down. He's like, I'll just give you cash. I'm like, yeah, cool. So started cutting stickers for him. I didn't have to. I was going to just get a job at the skate park, but that let me not have to get a job at the skate park. And so I started doing that and the boxes started lining the hallway uh, for like his shirts and everything. And we were outgrowing that place. And But even in that place, we had people staying like every week. Like every every week we had the couches full of someone. Like there was just bikes everywhere. Somebody passing through town. Somebody passing through town. I'm like, hey, I got someone coming through. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Just constantly someone on the couch. It was fun. We were outgrowing that place and we're going to move into a townhome and a friend's girlfriend needed two roommates. And so we were like, let's do that. Moved into there and started kind of, he started kind of outgrowing that place and moved into a warehouse and. Like he was living in the warehouse. Oh no, sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was that like, is damn. The, that is what that sounded like. <laughs> we did sleep in that warehouse sometimes, but um, no, no, he, uh, he moved all of his product into the warehouse okay. and I guess I haven't given context on him, but yes, he owns a very successful company. And um, so he started moving all of his product into the warehouse and by that point, a few few of us started working. A few Orlando friends started working for him and um, folding T-shirts, packing orders. And I would do that at the apartment sometimes. But that's when, yeah, he eventually got his own house with the skate park in the backyard. And that left. And the the friend's girlfriend moved out. So that was just me, about to be me only in that house. So I had a friend, James, and his girlfriend at the time move into the master bedroom and we, who was in, I don't remember who, was, I forget how exactly <laughs> it all panned out at one point. But yeah, slowly Adam moved out, that girl moved out, and we started filling it with friends. And we would always convince people to come visit, like a friend Mason that is originally from St. Louis, a friend Tristan from Texas. We'd have them come visit and we would, we would have such a good time, like we go on road trips, go to the beach, go to all these skate parks and trick them into moving to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like Mason and I still always remember, like there was one time I like found out that room was opening up and I Snapchatted him and I was like, dude, move to Florida. And he's like, okay. He moved to Florida. Florida. (laughs) Moved to Florida and he filled, he filled Adam's room and moved with uh, our friend Jack. So Jack was on a deflating air mattress for a year. And uh, so there was five of us in this house. Wow. And um, I think at one point we were all, aside from James's girlfriend at the time, we were all working for Adam. And we all had the same job, all lived in the same place. And I think Jack was doing other work. But yeah, it was just like, it started becoming a BMX house slowly. And then then our uh, our friend John, Patterson uh, needed a place to crash. He lives here now too, doesn't he? He did, but he just moved back oh, to moved, Florida. Okay. So, but yeah, he lived here for a little bit. He needed a place to crash. So he was on the couch. Then our neighbor across the street had a roommate issue where she needed to move. And we, she was already friends with all of us. She's like, take, I was like, you take my room. I'll move into the master. At one point we had three grown men in one master bedroom <laughs> on 
three different beds, like 10 feet apart, nice. me in the middle on on a mattress on the floor. <laughs> I love that, wow. dude. It That's was, like pure BMX yeah. right there. And there, I w- there was like six, seven people unofficially living in this house. And we're like, this is why there's no parking in this neighborhood. <laughs> because we are half the parking. <laughs> we are the parking. That's and amazing. Yeah. Then it evolved. And we all like, like one of our, uh, one of our friends had bought a tattoo gun and we all have four, two, five, one tattooed on ourselves now. <laughs> Was that the address of the house? Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. So at this point in time, like you're working for Adam, is this the point that you're like starting to like appear in the videos too? Uh, <laughs> um, yes. So I, he was basically, we'd ride together all the time. He would film, uh, he didn't ask me to film like clips of him just on his phone, just Instagram clips before Instagram clips. And he would just post them on Facebook and, uh, he would do that every session and yeah, his Facebook page blew up and you could start posting videos on Instagram. Jeez, I forgot at one point you couldn't post videos on Instagram, mm-hmm. but you couldn't even post things that were on your camera roll. Remember that? Oh my you could, gosh. Yeah, you had to take it on Instagram. Instagram. Yes. Wow. It's funny because we always give our friend James a hard time because he's not the, doesn't exactly have the, uh, the eye for photography and, uh, we're like, James, you still take your photos in the Instagram app. <laughs> He's like, no, I don't. I never do. He's a purist, man. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, I miss him. That's funny. <laughs> Love dude. him. Yeah. But yeah, we started. Yeah, so every session he'd like post BMX clips to Facebook and then slowly to Instagram. And then on the weekends we could do road trips. And this is kind of before I started going to do all, doing all the Georgia trips with the uh, 4251 house. So kind of backtracking here. But yeah, he would – we. He'd be like, oh, I'll drive, cover gas, buy you guys food. Like, you want to just go ride some skate parks this weekend? I'll film it. Like, yeah, sure. And we would, like, go ride three parks in a weekend. He'd film it, put it on YouTube, and then that started. He was already, like, had more of a following than I even realized at the time. And Facebook, posting all those videos on Facebook certainly helped. And um, that just got bigger and bigger. And it was, like, sometimes it was just, like, parks that, we might not have had anything to film at, like, oh, like, get there. Like, I don't have a clip to film, but it's just, like, you know, come up with something, whether, like, messing around with a fly-out trick that you never do, and that's the clip for the video. So it's, like, in hindsight, like, it's funny. Like, we look back sometimes, and we're like, man, what, what, is, what, are the, the, what is the riding in some of those videos? But it was, like, it was fun. It was just, like, felt like kids again just yeah. doing whatever types. It's, it's crazy to look back at some of those videos now and see, like, how popular they were you know like because yeah. i would like again i was going through as we're like kind of getting ready for this episode and i'm like some most of those videos have three to five million views on them and it's like i'm sure you had no idea at that Dude, point in time that like crazy. what he was doing because like yeah but then you start you said you know shirts are lining the hallway and mm-hmm. stuff and it's like okay what the hell is going on slowly but surely yeah it just got bigger and bigger and and like more friends would be in the videos and stuff like that and like yeah, it just got, it started growing like crazy. And um, that was at the, around the time we all started like working there together. And, but yeah, it was just like, yeah, let's go out, ride some skate parks, which we would have, would have done anyway. And, but he's like, yeah, I'll drive. I'll cover gas, buy you guys lunch. That's so cool. And we'll film these videos. And yeah, it was just, I feel like it always, like, I always think back to, I'm like, when I was like first started riding, like, aside from strictly edits the stuff 
that you like watching is like the occasional like behind the scenes video because you're like, oh, I only see this person's bike riding. And then you get to see like some sort of insight into like what else they're doing. And I mean, like props, yeah. like you see like a little bit. So I feel like that's kind of what blew them up too is like you you saw like a little bit of personality behind. Like the antics involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's we're doing stuff that we were doing off camera. He just turned the camera on sometimes. So Man. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to think about him too, just how long he's been at that and like seeing what he's doing now. And like, yeah, it's crazy. It's so wild because it's like, I mean, even sitting here thinking about this, like I remember there'd be sometimes he's like, oh, like I'm uh, working on this. Do you mind packing these four orders I just got? I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure. He would hand draw something on every single order form and I would pack like these four orders. And I remember like being in his room like folding a shirt on his bed to pack it for someone's order. And I'm like, what if this is huge one day? And I'm sitting there talking like, yeah, I remember I used to be in his room folding a shirt on his bed. I'm like, here I am. Like, it's it's a crazy progression of things, especially, I mean, now it's like. He, he has out, an empire. Yeah, now. I mean, he outgrew four warehouses and he's at a massive compound now. Basically owns his own little city in Florida. Like, it's pretty yeah. bizarre. That's sick that you were like, a pretty integral part in the beginning, like yeah, being able yeah. to like help ship the orders mm-hmm. and like and working at all the warehouses up until yeah. you know where he's at now, pretty much. Yeah, slowly but surely. It's funny too because like you know, like everything happens for some sort of reason. But there was one weekend where he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna be out of town. Do you mind like just fully running everything?" And it was like slow at the time. He's like, "Do you mind just like fully running everything? Like print orders. I like, do everything just for like the weekend while I'm gone." And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm down. And then something came up and I went on some sort of trip to North Carolina. And I was like, hey, dude, like this trip came up. I can't do it. So our other friend, James, a different James than you guys know, James Harvey, took over for that weekend. And now he's like one of the three guys running the whole thing. And it's it's so funny because from that weekend on, I've stayed in a position where I can be very flexible and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's sick that you still like yeah. have the connection to work with, like yeah. working with Adam LZ. And like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of freedom for you too, which yeah. is cool. It's like, I purposely like have, I mean, I feel like I do the whole non-committal thing with a ton of jobs, but I mean, as fully committed with this job, but being able to be remote lets me be super flexible. And, but yeah, I was like, like me going on that one trip that weekend, like, James, like James was already helping out, but he fully took over for that weekend. And then I was like slowly but surely stayed like I, I kept myself in a in a spot where I could like even like when I was just cutting stickers full time at the warehouse or folding shirts. That was a position where I'm like, hey, I'm gonna leave town. Like I'm gonna be gone for a month. Someone else could just fill in. You know, I was never like like I always kept room for like everything outside of of work that's and, cool. and any type of form you know i think that's where do you think that came from for you like the the work-life balance because it seems like you've had a really good grip on that like were your parents entrepreneurs like where does that come from for you i i don't really know i and like like because my parents have always had like pretty normal jobs for the most part i think it was just like once i started doing those trips when i like those bmx trips and everything i was like I can't let go of this. I I can never like completely remove myself from this. And once I was lucky enough to stay in the position of like 
hey, I'm going to cut stickers till 4 a.m. and I'm going to be gone all weekend and that's fine. Or I'm going to be, I'm not going to come in tomorrow. I'm going to cut stickers till 4 a.m. Of course, more structure slowly got implemented, but I just never like, I loved the riding and the traveling aspect too much to ever fully like drop it. Like even like, even like later in life when I like was in between like, like I lived in Jacksonville for a little bit. That's another story. But I like, I was like, I need some sort of non-committal temporary job, and I sold uh, sold hurricane windows door to door for nine months. No way. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, I don't care what I do. I just need some sort of income so I could be like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave for a month, and I'm gonna come back. And if you bring me back on, sure. If not, who cares? And I was like, like I mean, the window gelling this the window selling job is its own entity but yeah i was i was like the only one of the few there without some sort of felony so they were like they were like when you come back from australia please come back and i'm like absolutely you got it partner absolutely i'll be back that's amazing dude so you know as you start kind of distancing yourself from like what is going to be expected like when did you are you still working for adam and going to school yeah okay so the whole time i was in school i was working for adam and then at that point, he was living in in his house with uh, the skate park at it. And 4251 was a seven-person BMX house. And But it was still so flexible, especially with like half of us working there that lived in the house, that we could be like, all right, we're going to work. There was no hours. It was almost like, like you kept track of how many shirts you folded, how many stickers you made. And so there was no hours. You, you come in super late, work super late, and then you could be gone for three days. Or if you're going to be out of town, someone else takes over that day. Like it was super loose. It was just like, get, get the work done type of thing. That's where the, you know, all working together started. Oh, what if we went to Georgia tonight? Let's drive up like eight hours to Atlanta tonight. There's like four skate parks we haven't ridden there yet. And that happened every weekend, if not every other weekend. And, um, so yeah, that just kept going and going i feel like that's something that's like really special too like when you're working and living with all of your friends like it compounds right where you're just like okay like this weekend it's georgia but like you talk about going to australia so it's like the ideas like and the trips get bigger and bigger because you're just like well we did that in a weekend yeah what if we had a week yeah it constantly just evolved from that and like one of the first like with that whole group in the house was like we it was like friday or something and we had we didn't had nothing to do because like we, we were never like going out or a part of the college scene in any way. I was just like, none of us were ever into that really. And we like didn't know what to do on Fridays. We're like, we, like we live pedaling distance from campus. So we're like, let's, let's go pedal to campus. And we're like riding there. And we're like, what should we do tomorrow though? Like, I think we had off on Monday and we're like, let's like, someone mentioned new orleans like we should do a new orleans trip soon and then we were like pedaling like we, we just made it out of the neighborhood on bikes at this point it's like 11 p.m and someone was like jokingly it was me james and john like, what if we went tonight like and we all just stopped and we're like we could we could go tonight and we like looked up how far of a drive it was and forget how far it was like 11 hours or something <laughs> and we're like let's do it and we texted a friend. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, we, we're not going to be there till the sun's up tomorrow. It's like, that's totally cool. So we went back, turned around, didn't make it to campus, got in the car, went to James's house because that was like right before he was living there. It's it's all a blur. But 
Um, yeah, and then packed up. I think we left at 1 a.m. to drive to New Orleans. Dang. And stayed at a friend's house, rode all the skate parks that um, that Danny had shown me years prior when we drove to Austin. I was like, oh, like we went, rode this park and just showed them what I had ridden with Danny. And then, again, that's where it, I was like, man, this is like really easy to just pull this stuff off. And then we like, it was accident. We didn't know it was Mardi Gras. So we were like on Bourbon Street for Mardi Gras. We're like, why is this so crowded? (laughs) I'm like, oh, "Oh, wait, there's a lot of beads. A bunch of dudes who don't drink just hanging down there in Mardi Gras. Exactly. And it's like, and then we like, we drove back in time to sleep for 45 minutes and be at work on Monday. And we're like, we pulled that off. Wow. And that was like, again, like the wheels started turning of like, we can do this all the time. Did you think as you started nearing the end of college that like life was going to change or were you like committed? You're like, I'm never going to do that traditional nine to five. I was curious, but I was, I was like, man, I wonder if this, I'm going to have to like snap out of this soon, but still being lucky enough to like have a flexible, flexible position with Adam. I was like still able to kind of bounce around and do whatever. And like, yeah. And like I said, in doing that, I forget where on the timeline that, first Europe trip because like we like I'd gone with it's funny my current roommate Avery um had flown Adam Avery and myself flew to Barcelona did a trip and that was also at the early start of him getting like super big and that was like a normal organized trip stayed at Airbnb pedal out from the Airbnb a ride every day after that is when I did the the Europe trip with Danny and like it all functioned the same way. And I was like, okay, like, and that was a month long trip. And that's where I was like, okay, I don't want to give this kind of stuff up. And it was still a flexible enough position with Adam where I didn't have to. And I was like, yeah, I'll stay with this just to, just so I can be like, hey, I'm going to be gone for a month. I'll be back. And everything was fine. Dang. You know? Yeah, what a perfect scenario too for that to like work out in that way with Adam and like yeah. just that whole friend group. Like it yeah. was like the perfect storm, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then that that was like like I said, a lot of it was Danny showing me like that that showing me the uh, the ropes for that kind of travel. And like I said, once it it worked in Europe, uh, and like we were like setting up tents in public parks, like fields parking lots and i was like oh wow like i'm gonna show like the rest of the guys this like and like yeah it kind of branched off from there and was lucky enough for even them to still be in the position working for adam where everyone was flexible yeah and like yeah was this around the time when you guys started coming up with uh fte for the experience yeah so that started that was when we were all before everyone lived at the house is when it started, like, the idea started presenting itself. But it, it actually started from, like, a non-traveling thing. Like, we would ride the skate park. We, there's this bowl in Oviedo, which is the suburb of Orlando that we lived in. And super good concrete bowl. They have bike sessions. So we'd ride it, like, Tuesday, Thursday, sometimes the weekend. And we'd go out to eat afterwards at this taco spot. And sometimes if I'd have food at the house, I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to eat. Just save some money. Like, I'll go for the experience. And then, like, that kept saying that if someone wasn't eating that time, they were going for the experience. Like, I'll come for the experience. Oh, that's funny, dude. And it had nothing to do with traveling. And then, like, that kept branching out. And, like, people kept saying it. And then we, like, 
heard friends of friends in California saying it, and we're like, well, <laughs> like, like we're onto something. Exactly, here. we're onto something. And that's when one of my friends at the taco spot one night was like, I'm going to buy a tattoo gun. Let's tattoo this on ourselves. And we're like, okay. And he bought it. And we're like, it's funny, like at one point, like the first night, I think it was like my foot's on the table, but we have Google open. Like how did tattoo, <laughs> like most of us had tattoos already. So you knew like what it would feel like. But as far as like, like, you know, like. Like the speed of the yeah, machine. Yeah, exactly. How hard to push. How hard to push. And like, you know, like the, yeah, the whole process, what to set the machine to. But like anyone that had already had tattoos knew like, okay, you're pushing the perfect amount or no, push harder. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's a, we would practice on like bananas and the bottom of your foot too, oh. because it, but if you do it on the callus part, it doesn't hurt at all and it disappears eventually. Interesting. So you just practice on the calluses on the bottom of your, of your foot and then you go to the real canvas and yes, yeah, so we all tattooed it on ourselves and then it slowly became like, oh, let's make some shirts and then. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, you probably had no clue like that that moniker would turn into like a brand name. That, no, that you no. guys are operating under. Now. It started off as I'm not buying tacos tonight. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna. Make I feel like it's only appropriate that you guys drop an FTE brand taco shirt at this point, dude. That's so true. Just like two tacos cheersing yeah. or something. We could find the uh, the logo of that taco spot and just incorporate that. I think that's a brilliant idea because yeah. that's a story yeah. that I never knew. Yeah. Like, I've always wondered where the yeah. phrase came from. So yeah, it, everyone assumes it's some like crazy travel story. Like no, it's just like I don't, I'm gonna save six dollars tonight. I'm <laughs> I gonna want tacos. Yeah, exactly. As much as I want tacos, I'm gonna eat. A, I'm gonna eat at the house. Heck yeah! How many people are involved in FTE? So I think it started with like six of us and then slowly like fizzled down to just James Murphy and I. Cool. And recently, um, two of the friends that originally formed it have gotten back and fall. I mean, there's still like a, like six of us basically, six or seven or so that like are involved. But as far as like decision-making business-wise, it was two for a while. It was like six, then which was a, a disaster for anything. Oh yeah. And then two- and then now in like recent months, um, our friends John and Zach got back involved. Cause I mean like Zach also works for Adam and has like the incredible business mind for all the back end stuff. And and John has an eye for way more fashion stuff than just putting stuff on t-shirts like we've been doing this whole time. Cause James and I are just like, ah, oh, like- This looks cool. Yeah, I like this band. Let's do a rip off of that album cover. And we've done that so many times. Like we, there's other designs like based on like the, t like the color of the tent that we would sleep in and all that. But now John like has an actual eye for stuff and That's has sick. started like doing custom embroidery on like one-off pieces and like start doing that stuff soon. But yeah, we're like- That's really cool. That'll be good because we don't have a- they're, James and I are just putting band logos on t-shirts. It's nice to have a little bit of backbone on something right? like that. Exactly. <laughs> have have some sort of variety. Someone to tell us like, hey, like you can't just do pocket tees all the time. <laughs> like, I just want to do pocket Everyone tees. Pocket I just want a pocket tee. But how cool is it that you guys have like this amazing support system and like experience from working with and for Adam? Yeah. Like to get to experience because like, I mean, he's literally is a clothing business. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. the amount of t-shirts that he sells. So being able to like, kind of look at that model. And I'm sure if you guys have questions, you can be like, hey, like somebody in the organization has an answer, you know? Exactly, exactly. And it like, it's crazy seeing it start from like, you know, a dorm room basically into what it is now. And like, 
as much as I joke about me not applying anything from school, he would, he would literally like, like we'd be in class and you just see it clicking for him. He'd just go apply it to his business that night. I'm like, that's, that's pretty crazy. That is crazy. No one else in this class is doing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably like, I mean, probably out earning the teachers, like the professors while he's sitting there, like learning the knowledge. And he's like, Oh wait, I can just do that in my business. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. That's sick, like, dude. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, wild thing. But yeah, it's cool to to bounce off of each other because we all just have some sort of different. Like, like I said, like we give James a hard time by not being able to shoot photos, so it's like someone else will take care of that. But then we like found recently, like if we just have James buy a disposable camera and just shoot product stuff every now and then, like like those can't be bad. Like we found a way for James <laughs> to contribute photos. I love you it, know? dude. So we all, yeah, we, and like John has the eye for more than t-shirts and Zach has the business mind and yeah, so we all. It's so cool. Everybody brings in a little bit of their own flavor and like at the yeah. end of the day it makes it even more special. Yeah. Do you guys have any like big goals with the brand over the next year or few years? Uh, we want to start doing, like I said, more stuff that, that John can come up with like properly designed articles of clothing that like whether it be pants or jackets that like he has the design for and um it's funny like one of the main things now and it's like it's not out yet but like there and no one will even know this when it does come out but when we had the tattoo gun like john and i just got back from a trip where we we slept in a friend's car in California for several days. And when we got back from the trip, like, oh, let's tattoo a little uh, homeless stick figure, you know, with the stick, with the bag and a stick figure on each other's butts. <laughs> so I tattooed it on John's butt. John tattooed it on me. And now that little stick figure dude with the thing, John's already embroidered it, embroidered it onto several different things. And like, that's slowly going to be a part of it and like man no one even, no one even knows like oh man story the promotion you could do with <laughs> Dude, that would that's be what we're talking so about funny. we're like we have to let people know like that'd yeah, be hilarious i feel like it just needs to be a clip of like you could fake it but like somebody sliding out on their ass and standing <laughs> up and like there's just a stick figure on their exactly ass. exactly that's, that's a nice campaign on Dude, right yeah. right <laughs> and like because it's funny we always do like little subtle things like we've done a one of our old shirts had the coordinates to our house on it, like 4251. And like the shirt's completely sold out. No one even asked. No one knows. I mean, I'm sure people looked it up, but like if you follow the coordinates on that shirt, like, and it's not subtle, it's bold on the front. It leads to our house in Orlando. And like we would always do like little sayings on the taglines, just inside jokes that like no one knows the meaning behind i love that kind of stuff though just like subtle things talking about shirts do you think you'll ever do a reproduction i know it wasn't the shirt (laughs) that you made but the feed bert shirt i feel like needs a man a a moment of revival sometimes i forget that that existed and then someone will comment like do you have any extra and i'm like dude i haven't seen that thing do you even have one i I think there's one at my parents house (laughs) i think there is and yeah it's funny because i was on I think I was on the trip to North Carolina that I wasn't able to help out that weekend with for Adam when he texted me my face inside of a Starbucks logo. And I'm like, oh, where are you going with this? <laughs> and and we had a uh, had something. He's like, Yeah, just like promote it and um I'll give you like a portion of it. And then I realized it was incredibly awkward 
I'm like, I cannot promote a shirt that my own face is on. He still gave me a cut of it all. But That's I'm amazing. like, I'm like, I can't do this, dude. I can't. Do you know I'm how like, many of those shirts eventually sold? Dude, he restocked like three or four times. No and way. like large batches. And yeah. Like that's hilarious. It was it was pretty crazy. Have you ever seen one in the wild, dude? I at events I have because I'll I'll still work drift events for him. Like when I'm not doing like because I'll work remotely now, but like have to go out to work drift events. And there has been like a couple where I have like like earlier. It's been years now, but I had seen like a couple, and I'm like that's funny story. I was working one drift event in Washington, and I'm like send me home because sometimes what I'll do is I'm like. Like, because they'll fly me out and I'm like, send me home like four days later than everyone else. I want to ride out here. So I hadn't, I've ridden a bunch in Oregon, but hadn't ridden in Washington. And I was like, I don't know anyone out there, uh, but there's a ton of people that ride in a ton of skate parks. I'll figure it out. And I hadn't, I, I had messaged my, my now friend, Alex, but I didn't know him at the time. And he's like, yeah, whenever you get to Seattle, like I'll pick you up. I was like an hour south of seattle and tacoma and i think that's geographically accurate but um i was like I, there's a skate park here that i want to ride and i have and like this event's almost over everyone's flying driving back to the airport in an hour i still haven't sorted how i'm going to ride this skate park and get back to seattle and like the, like we were, it was like a little like meet and greet for adam like after the the drift event and oh my god there's someone maybe someone here will ride first kids that walk up they're like you still ride and i'm like yeah i do do you want to go to the skate park after this <laughs> no way and they're like yeah i'm down they didn't have their bikes with them they had their car kids so they had smaller cars could barely fit my bike in it and i'm like let's meet up afterwards so like the like the meet and greet thing like is all over like it's at the shop of one of adam's sponsors and i'm like you guys sure you're down for this and i'm like they're like, yeah for sure they take me to the skate park, but I'm like, I have to fully be prepared to be stranded here because I'm like, they might live here. I don't know. Like, I can't expect a ride up an hour, hour and a half north to Seattle. Like, I can't just assume that. And I was like, okay, like, I'll get to the skate park. I'll ride the skate park. I've been wanting to ride, which I got there. There's a whole watermelon in the deep end. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> which, I, which I scooped out. I'm like, the sun's going down. I'm scraping watermelon out. I'm like, I'm riding this skate park. And I rode it and like... I'm like chatting with them. I'm like, so like, like, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to Seattle. Like, but like in the back of my head, I'm like, I could, there's trees behind the skate park. I could sleep in the trees. I could hitchhike. I could take a bus, but I'm like hitchhiking with a bike. It's going to be tough. And, um, I, it's probably, probably not near a, a bus to Seattle right now. And, but I'm whatever, I'll, I'll figure it out. And, um, the kids are like, yeah, yeah, I live like just North of Seattle. And it was near another skate park I wanted to ride. And I was like, oh, man, like, you guys got, like, like I'm just looking up. I'm just looking for a place to set up the, uh, my, my hammock. I might set up my hammock in these trees right here. They're like, I have a backyard. And I'm like, <laughs> no way. It's crazy. And uh, and so these kids drive me north of Seattle. I forget what the – it's a skate park. I think you've ridden it. Blue coping, full pipe with a square deep end, like 290 pockets. There's like a- Arlington? No, no, I want to ride that park though. Great. But it's uh, it's Port something. It's not Port Orford. It's Port not- Port Townsend? No, I don't think it's that one because I want to ride that skate park too. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it, 
it's a, a good concrete park north of Seattle. And he... Oh, I know what it is. I don't know the dude, name, yes, though. I, I swear know exactly it's Port, port something. Yeah. And like, like, I know Chris has a clip on that like long wall, that, that yeah. mellow wall. Mm-hmm. And... um. But I'm like, okay, like, yeah, you can set up a tent in the yard, or you can even sleep in my in my like forerunner, because like one of the kids that was like following us had a forerunner, and so we like drive. I'm like rambling with the story, but we they're like, yeah, you can come up, sleep in the trees behind my house, or sleep in my car. And I'm like, yeah, cool, that's fine, I don't care. We we get all the way up there, and he's like, you could sleep in the house too if you want, and it's like freezing, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah. All right, so if you don't mind. And and um, so these kids that I just met, and I, like, didn't know his name at the time. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm in this oh, kid's house. Worst, I don't dude. know his name. Hey, I met, like, yeah, I'm like, I met five at once. And he has a painting of John Bonham in his house. And he's like, he's like, yeah, like, that's who I'm named after. And I'm like, John. And he's like, he's like yeah, I like it because it's a unique name. And I'm like... <laughs> it must be Bonham then. His name is Bonham. And uh, he like sets up an air mattress for me in the living room and uh, goes in his room, comes out with a feed birch. No. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, man, did you ever think I'd be <laughs> homeless begging you for a spot inside your house tonight? I was hoping you'd wake up in the morning and he's cooking you pancakes in the oh shirt, dude. God. Could you imagine? Oh, that's epic, so, like, dude. He asked me to like sign his report. I'm like, dude, this is a small world. This is like that's crazy. crazy. Like he wasn't like weird about it or anything. He's just like, he's, he's like, like yeah. this is kind of like, funny. I have this. <laughs> You're staying in my house. Yeah, this is your face. And wow, I'm like, whoa, dude. that is insane. That's a crazy number of consequences or not consequences, coincidences yeah. for like everything to, to align lead like to that. all that. And like the next day, he's like, like I had to catch a. I didn't realize at the time he had to catch a ferry to get to Seattle unless you want to drive like an hour around the thing. So like, you drive me to Seattle by chance? Like, oh, I have to go to work. But you take the ferry. He's like driving me to, uh, he's driving me to uh, the ferry and then gets called into work. Oh, like you have to be here right now. The boss is here. So his, I get out. I'm like, nice meeting you, dude. He drives to work. I'm like pedaling my bike alongside his girlfriend driving her car, escorting me to the ferry. <laughs> I'm like, what happened in the past 12 hours? Like, like, that's bizarre like, this dude. time yesterday i was with all my co-workers in a hotel room now I'm, they're all home in their beds and i'm hanging out with the dude that's the feed bird yeah shit. yeah well shout out to bonham dude yeah right right i mean and those are the moments too and i like i realize it and like and like especially doing it in other countries because like you never know where you're gonna have to sleep tonight but i'm like if you're if if the worst pos- if you're okay with the worst possible outcome, which is sleeping on the streets, you're good. It'll it'll work. Like if you're fine, if you've accepted that and you're open to that idea, then a house, a floor, a hammock is just a bonus. Yeah, that's luxury. Like yeah, I'm like like once once you accept like that you're okay with hiding in the trees for a night or whatever, train station, then. Because there, there's been times on trips where I'm like, why am I so like at peace right now? I'm like, I'm like I can be because I'm alone at times. I'm like, if there's other people here that aren't okay with that situation, then people it's like, are what are we doing? You yeah. feel it? Yeah. But if I'm like totally solo and it comes, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, I, if if it comes to me sleeping and it's a train station or 
in a hammock and in, in the trees. I'm like, that's fine with me. And then, so it's just like, it's, it's fine. Like just being open to whatever else working out. That's like, so sick. I feel like too, like being open to anything else working out is like what opens those doors. Yeah. Cause you're not expecting it. So when you say like you've kind of settled for, you know, worst case scenario, which would be sleeping in the street. And then yeah. you like stumble across these kids that have a t-shirt with your face on <laughs> exactly. it. Like, and it's this wild coincidence of things, but like, generally most people you meet are pretty kind right and like they're more than willing to offer like a place to crash or like hey there's this park or whatever it is so that's cool like nine times out of ten it's gonna work out and you won't end up on the streets and then the one night you're on the streets it's it's a fun story yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's for the experience exactly for the experience you know so i feel like now that we're on the topic of sleeping on the street i think it's probably appropriate now to get into talking about being coming the legendary homeless bmx rider (laughs) oh man so that has a more in-depth story than anyone realizes too because that was there was a game show that was offered to adam and when i say game show it was like physical challenges everything from like hamster wheel races to drift trike had nothing to do with drifting just coincidentally to like obstacle course where you have to end it throwing a frisbee through a hole you know something weird like that got offered to adam and because they basically wanted someone from like all different sports, like they had a pogo stick dude, they had a video game dude, they had whatever. And Adam was busy, and he's like, "Can I offer it to my roommate?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." And I was down. They like paid me a couple thousand bucks to go out there, and every challenge you won, you won a thousand bucks. No way. Um, and you got per diem for the day. They put you in in these log cabins, like just above Santa Barbara. And I'm like, yeah, I'm down 100%. I'd do that for free if you're going to pay me. So, like, I did that, and it was this weird thing. Like, we, we were staying on, like, a llama farm, and it was some Verizon-sponsored. I guess Verizon has some version of YouTube that they were trying to push. Hmm. So it's put on their platform. So this project had a ton of money, and they'd give us per diem, but if we met up with them for dinner, they also paid for dinner, and you just pocket the per diem. And I'm like, this is sick. It's about around a bunch of big companies. for, <laughs> And so did that whole thing. How long was that? Was that like a week long yeah, or something? That was, okay. I think it was like a week. And like, and. And did you win any challenges? Ironically enough, I won the drift trike challenge. Sick. And I, I was, I was, like, I was like, it's like my man gets a my bonus. Roommate right there. And I, uh, yeah, I won that. That's the only thing I won. There were so many challenges. That was the only one I won. And so I got actually a thousand bucks for that and stayed in contact with the guy because like one of the producers and he hit me up, I want to say it was a year later. And he's like, hey, we're doing this video project where it's called No Days Off. I think that's what it was called. But we're doing, you do like a mini documentary on all these different people. We're doing one on this guy with like the fastest fastball or I think it's something like that. We're doing one on some other young kid that rides mountain bikes. Or, and he's like, we want someone, um, another action sports person. He's like, we, he's like, we don't have much to pay you, but we'll fly you wherever, like in the States that you want. And I'm like, I hadn't ridden Oregon yet. And I'm like, I want to ride all the parks in Oregon. It's like, easy. Like, fly out here. We'll take you wherever you want. And I'm like, sick, I'm down. And flew me out there. And like, we're staying... I forget, just outside of Portland. And I'm like, hey, so I don't want to like push because they're already doing a ton for me. But I'm like, I'm like, 
the gold is on the coast. Like that's where that's where like the heart of Oregon concrete is. And so we like were able to hit a couple there, but mainly stayed in the Portland area. And they were like happy to film whatever I wanted. It was like half interview, half riding clips. And they like baited me into saying some like cringy stuff. Like life is like a bowl. You got to find your line. I'm like, I don't want to say that, but you want me (laughs) to say it. So here it is. And, uh, but like they, it's funny because my one thing more, more so than the title of that video, as embarrassing as it is, I filmed some clips that I was like stoked on and like stoked to see. And granted you, like whenever you're filming with someone that doesn't ride bikes, you never know. But I assumed like, you know, if I do, if I try a line 10 times, use the last one, the one that I was like, that was it. That's sick. You rode away from everything. Uh, yeah, rode away from everything. <laughs> Everything's good. I'm, I'm happy with it. So like the video, he sent me the, the, the teaser for it. And I'm like excited to see. I'm like excited to see these clips I filmed six months ago. And everything's all chopped. There's one I land. I land super low on a hip, put a foot down, walk out of the bowl. That's in there. I'm like, I'm like, I thought I, I didn't, I didn't think I'd have to say like, use the last clip. Every time we filmed five times, use the last one. But so, and then they dug into some like, old LZ videos where it was like a game of bike trying something you've never tried before and like that's a clip you used I'm like I saw that in there that was kind of funny to me the one where you like did that wall ride where you guys were doing the game of bike you like freaking smack your face and like knocked my teeth that's why I have fake teeth and uh, it's funny that it wasn't even for a game of bike that was just I was trying that for a clip and lost my teeth on it but but yeah I was like I wish I could have like given some guide on like hey this clip is not good yeah like use this one even when they were digging into the old stuff there would have been stuff i was happy for them to use but they just like find some like first attempt at a trick from a game of bike and i'm like oh but i was like whatever that's beside the point this is not meant to be like a riding video it's just like a half documentary thing and he's like he sends it to me he's like can we use the word because i talked about like traveling this was after mason and i had done a big trip which we can talk about that too but like where we didn't. We were in Europe for months and didn't pay for a place to stay once. We were like sleeping in parks, meeting people that offered us That's a insane. room. Like, yeah, just yeah. the whole time, just winging it. And we talked about that trip a bunch and sleeping in tents and everything. And he's like, "Do you mind if we use the word homeless?" And I was like, ah, "They want their views." Homeless BMX. I'm like, "Sure, go ahead. That's fine." The video comes out. Homeless BMX legend. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like Mike Aitken, legend. Yeah, you know, Matt Hoffman, legend. I'm like, you don't. It's so hard to like, <gasps> like transcribe that to other people too, to mm-hmm. like get them to understand, like, yeah, just the levels of what it is, and like, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's. I mean, they're going after like these keywords that people are searching, you know, exactly. And like, it was, it it sucked because like I heard there were some people, and granted, it's like I can't you can't dwell on stuff like this, but it's like. I hear, hear some people. It's like, yeah, I'm not like like that. That dude claims he's he's a legend. Um, no, it wasn't me. Uh, like, <laughs> I never had one. Guys never said that. And then like, and then like parts of the clips and the interview where I explain that I like work and then leave, travel, come back, continue to work, like restock the funds. That was all cut out. So like, I like when it first dropped, I was like reading comments of like 
like, oh, this is impossible. There's no way, like he, like, he has to be funded by someone. There's no way this spoiled kid's just traveling around. And oh. I'm like, I swear I, like, work in between all these trips. And they're like... And like, you can't, like, respond to all the yeah. comments because there's so Dude, many exactly. of them. So, and then there's stuff where it's like, like I said, we're using, like, the stuff where I'm, like, landing flat and, like, walking out. And they're like... How is he even getting flown anywhere? <laughs> like, 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 look, look, look at the riding clip. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm like, I just stopped reading all the comments. Yeah, I'm like, this to. is insane. Like, it was a cool, like, it was a cool, like, project, and it was like, it was fun, and like, it's funny to look back on. But I was just like, man, just like the riding clips used, the parts of the context in the interview where I, I explain how it worked kind of taken out and then oh. the word legend but i mean it's just it's all funny in hindsight yeah there's been times that like a couple times like at a skate park where like there was once a mom was like she, you could tell she didn't want to say the word homeless but she was like she's like oh you my son's saying that you're homeless and i'm like <laughs> well kind of the kind i'm like on trips yes <laughs> but, i have an address, <laughs> yes. Physical address. i have an address i have my old one tattooed on me <laughs> My yeah. son saying you're homeless. Yeah, and I was like, oh. he also has this shirt that says "Feed Bert." <laughs> so, are you hungry? Do you I have a sandwich? <laughs> it is funny. The one time that did pay off is we were at some uh, at Joyride Park in Canada, and um, the for a jam that Adam was throwing, and the pizza was taking forever, and everyone was starving, and I kept having these young kids come up to me feed Bert and giving me slices of pizza. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm good. Like I wasn't even hungry by the time the food showed up. <laughs> so That's I, hilarious. Got all dude. this stuff. Yeah. At least it worked out in your favor. Right. Once. Right. Somehow. Heck yeah. Yeah. I was very interested to hear like how you felt about like the portrayal of like who you are as a person through that video. Cause yeah. like usually when it is like a non BMX platform or somebody filming, like it is portrayed in like a very like, more or less cringy way for the people mm -hmm. on the other side of exactly. it right? so yeah that's interesting did, yeah did you see like a big up uptick in like people paying attention to what you were doing yeah there was it's funny because before that anytime like it was all just oh like i've seen you in like lz videos and then it was like you're the homeless guy which I'm like, oh, yeah more or less in some way and um but yeah and then like it, i feel like our, our biggest regret with that whole thing is it just, FTE was still relatively new at that point, but we happened to be out of stock of everything at the time. And we got the most attention that website has ever had oh. to this day, and we had nothing in stock. And we're like, well, we'll always just be kicking ourselves for that. Dang, dude. But, but yeah, that was- Could uh, have been a millionaire, man. Man, who who knows? Maybe I would have been a you legend. Could have been a homeless, <laughs> you could have been a homeless BMX legend. Could have been a homeless BMX legend. Oh, man. Because, yeah, they were- I feel like with a lot of that, they were pulling from the the recent trip with um, that Mason and I had done, where we were just tenting it the whole time, and they had saw a lot of that, and we're like, talk about that, talk about the streets, yeah, uh, not the streets. So when you go on that trip with Mason, like, how many parks did you guys ride? How long were you guys out in Europe? Uh, we were out there for, I think. I think I was out there for almost three months. Mason was out there for like a month and a half. We we wanted to do this hike in Norway. We're not really hikers, so to say, but there was this cool little, it's called Trolltunga. It's like, it looks like this tongue sticking out over this fjord. 
And we're like, that's sick. Let's do that. And like there was this airline called a Wow Airline, Wow Air at the time, or I think it was called. And um, they had super, it was like the spirit of international travel, like the frontier and spirit. And they had super cheap flights to Scandinavia. And we're like, flights to Norway are dirt cheap. Let's just do that. And we're, but we're, we want to ride, of course. Nothing to ride in Norway. And we're like, well, where, where else is around there? Like a Copenhagen. Copenhagen has like one of the gnarliest bowls in the world. And we're like, let's go there. Flights were the exact same cost. And we just booked one-way tickets, only knowing that there's a skate park in Copenhagen we, we want to ride, and there's a hike in Norway we want to do. And we're like, well, the rest will, will, will figure it out. That was when, like, again, that, the super flexible work day is where we could just be like, we'll be back, um, and we'll keep working when we get back type of thing. And so in the States, we were traveling around with this big – like four-person orange tent that we originally intended to return after sleeping in. But we're like, this is convenient. Let's keep this thing. And then we ended up uh, yeah, keeping that one, like putting on a shirt, like tattooed it too and everything. But for Europe, Mason had this small little two-person tent. He's like, let's just bring this, some sleeping bags, and we'll figure it out. And, you know, worst case, like we're not flat broke. We could buy a place for the night if need be. So... The first night there, we, like, did the whole thing of, like, using social media of, like, hey, is anyone in Copenhagen that has a place to stay? We're, one of the sh- like, we're not even that forward. Just show us around. And Mason happened to be talking to these two kids that, like, were 15. One of them is I'm still in contact and, like, we're good friends now, Hans. But him and this other guy, Oliver, which I found out recently that they weren't even – they didn't really know each other. But they were, like, well, 15 at the time met up with us and we're starving. I was telling this story to someone the other day uh, and Scandinavia is not cheap. And we're like kind of feeling it out. Like, oh, like you guys are from here. You guys ride. Like they're getting ready to show us around. And Oliver has this McDonald's app on his phone where you play games and win cheeseburgers. (laughs) And he somehow hacked it where he always won the game. What? And he started stealing cheeseburgers for us. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like we are day one in, in Copenhagen, and this 15-year-old boy is stealing cheeseburgers for us. <laughs> like, things are going well. And McDonald's in Europe is different, d- dude, by the way. It's quality. It's quality. <laughs> it's like, like you'll see family dinners there, you know? Like, wow. that's where they go out. Like, you, you bring the family to McDonald's. And nice. Exactly. So we're eating good with free cheeseburgers. <laughs> And we go, we like go to the bowl. We get off at the wrong train station. And this was like before, I guess we met up with Oliver. We went to the bowl, but got off at the wrong train station and walked with our bike bags way too far. And we're like, we had heard the skate park was skate only, which I don't even know is true. But like someone walks up to us right away and they're like, you guys want coffee? And he skates and he sees us building our bikes. We're like, okay, we're going to be fine. And like offers us coffee and, um, we like are ride in this park and it's like a super gnarly park and um riding it for hours and we're like okay we could it seems like there's some trees seems like we could like constantly in the back of our heads is like where could the tent go where could we sleep and uh so after being there for a while is when we like all right we need wi-fi let's go find Wi-Fi somewhere because we weren't paying for plans on our phone to have internet out there. 
So we found Wi-Fi. That's when we like posted some sort of like, hey, does anyone have, like, can anyone show us around? Met up with Oliver. And then gauged their reaction on like, what do you think if we set up the, the tent around there? Oh, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll be fine. So we like put the tent behind some of the trees at the Listening skate park. Listening to some 15-year-old kids that you've never met before. <laughs> I'm like, sure. I found out afterwards, which I'm like, I it's just about everywhere in Copenhagen. I've felt for the most part safe. Like we slept in a much sketchier bowl later in the trip and in Copenhagen. But some people afterwards were like, that is not an area to sleep. And I'm like, I've seen fine. <laughs> and like, so we like, but the, the issue was, and we started realizing this, it was like middle of summer there. And we like the the thought of sleeping doesn't even come to mind until the sun starts going down. So sun starts going down. And I'm like, let's find a spot to sleep. And it's 11 p.m. Because <laughs> we're like, oh, the sun goes down so late here. We don't know where we're sleeping. And um, so we just settle for like the skate park and everything like that. Sun comes up super early, and we hear some like some like uh, interpretive dance class in the same park that like wakes us up. And here, here, uh, Oliver and Hans coming through the bushes. Oliver has an apple for us. I'm like, dude, what's going on, man? <laughs> Mason and I are just like dying laughing at this scenario. We're like, man, these kids are bringing us fruit in the morning and uh, we're waking up in the park and we're there for a little while and ended up, we were like, it's, it was cold there too. Whenever it wasn't sunny, it was pretty cold. So we were like loitering in this library in the rain once and we're like, Get kicked. It was closing, but we kind of got kicked out. Like I had a tent and a helmet tied to, or Mason had a tent and a helmet tied to his backpack, and I had a sleeping bag and a helmet tied to my backpack. We were sharing a sleeping bag because we'd have to, like, when we get to these places, we have to find a spot to keep the bike bags. So, like, meet someone usually that's like, oh yeah, this guy, like in Copenhagen, it was this guy five miles this way has a garage. Pedal slash walk with our bike bags oh five gosh. miles to his garage, and we're like, we now we're living out of a backpack, so we like one tent, one sleeping bag, no pillows, and so like like using a, a water bottle that Oliver bought me a, a bottle of water, and I used it as my pillow, <laughs> and um, so we're we get I'm all over the place. We get kicked out of this library, clearly looking homeless looking like some homeless legends. And <laughs> and uh, we walk out and we're like looking at this map, we're like where else in Copenhagen have we not gone? And this girl our age sees us. She's like, you guys lost? We're like, no, we're just looking where no, to, we're just where homeless. to go. <laughs> we're just homeless, don't mind us. She's like, you guys need a place to stay. And we're like, no, no, we don't want to impose. We were going to camp tonight and it's raining. And she's like, it's going to rain all night. She's like, let me call my roommates, see if I can, like, if they're cool with it. And she calls her roommates. They're like, yeah, no problem at all. So we have a bed and she stays at her boyfriend's house. She just gives us the keys to her apartment, gives us like, like here, Copenhagen's the nicest, happiest place in the world. And it's like, certainly checks out, but she gives us, yeah, keys to her apartment, introduces us to her roommates. Roommates show us around for the whole week. We stay in town for this Copenhagen jam and then take a, a $5 bus to Sweden and sleep in public it's funny because we automatically defaulted just like sleeping in public parks again and one night in malmo we uh slept on these hammocks on a playground just these thick rope hammocks with our bikes locked to our bags locked to the hammock and the sun never fully went down and 
it's coastal, so there's seagulls overhead all night. The sun, it's never fully dark. Sleep for like an hour and a half and ride the skate park. And in Stockholm, we were sleeping in one disc golf course the entire time we were there. But we're moving further north, so at that point, it's so cold that we wait for the sun to start coming up, then go to sleep, and then <laughs> wake up a little. Like sun starts coming up at three, four a.m. But found out after we left Sweden that it's legal to sleep in public parks. Oh, really? It's called every man's rule or every man's right or something. The rule of thumb is if they can't, if no one can see you from their home or apartment window. You can legally sleep there. So we weren't even breaking the laws in Sweden. You were, we were legally sleeping in public parks. If you're ever going to Sweden, now you know. Little nuggets, <laughs> that's dude. A, that's a tip right there. Right? Yeah, it's, pro tip. It's, it's good. It's good because like there was some. There was a tent next to us the whole time around this, this, this golf course. Went to Norway, did the hike, came back like a, almost a week later. Same dude's there. And then afterwards found out that it's legal and that's why. Crazy. So. So while you're traveling around, like you touched on like Oliver winning you the cheeseburgers and stuff, yeah. like are you setting a budget for yourself of saying like this is how much I can spend a day or are you like, you know, if I don't spend this much this week, we can go out for a nice dinner? Like are you kind of just like free flowing? So there's there was never a set budget. It was just like it's expensive here. Let's spend as little as possible. And that's where we were introduced to uh, kebabs out there because kebabs are cheap everywhere in the world and they're filling and they give you a bunch of french fries and that was that was the only thing in budget basically i mean again like we're not flat broke but if we want to stay out here for a long time we're gonna have to cut down some funds especially like eating in scandinavia so we would kind of just coffee shop maybe have a muffin or eat whatever granola bars we bought that the day before for breakfast and kind of busy riding all day not maybe have a snack or something and then have kebabs at night and then every now and like make sure like when I'm in places like that too like especially now I like I make sure to have the local cuisine a couple times For but sure. you can go back to kebabs after that oh, where, yeah. where you can afford it there was one time we were in Copenhagen pedaling to this indoor park and we're like starving let's just find somewhere eat anywhere on the way and it was way more of an open area that we thought so we're pedaling there's nothing on the way finally see one restaurant we're like uh, whatever it is we'll eat there we walk in bikes out front helmet sleeping bag helmet tent <laughs> on our backpacks and we're like, like everyone looks super confused that we're walking in there and like, oh we're just uh, table table for two and you could tell they're like not even quite open yet and Basically said, like, they're not open yet and kind of like looked at some menu without prices and we're like, ah, that seems a little nice for us. And uh, turns out, I guess the Copenhagen had the number one restaurant in the world and the head chef left to form his own restaurant. And that's the restaurant we walked into with our helmets and pants. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys end up eating there or did nope, you leave? They're like, sirs, please leave. <laughs> we did not eat anything. We yeah. rode to the skate park. Dang. And, yeah. Um but yeah, and then after that, like, uh, Mason flew back to the States and Danny, I met up with Danny and his brother, Victor, at that point. And when Danny and I went to Israel for a little bit and 
when he was here, Danny was here, what, three months ago, four months ago? Yeah. And he was telling us the story about you guys in Israel, like how crazy is it, it was that people were there, you know, like, um, like doing like religious stuff and yeah. like being very, you know, devoted. And then you guys are just kind of walking around and like yeah. the realization of being like, oh, wow, this place is like really gnarly. And yes. like, people are here like risking their lives to like mm-hmm. perform very like religious sacred. rituals and yes. like, yeah. And it you was, guys are just like kind of cruising around, checking it out. It was quite, I mean, we, we lived out of a car in the Middle East in, I think, July. Like we go into, like, the the Dead Sea is so warm, but they have cold showers afterwards. So it's like, you like rinse off in the shower, you're still soaked, like no soap, because we don't have soap or anything. We just like rinse off in these public showers. While we're still soaking wet, we get into the car, it's like recline the windows, and then still wake up soaking wet sweating middle of the night turn the ac on fall asleep with it on wake up gas is expensive turn the car off and that for like a whole week and yeah it was in it was uh we were in jerusalem and that's where i mean even like near the dead sea because there's just one part near the dead sea where you're actually allowed to swim and there's an actual city there but like we'd walk into hotels like nice hotels just to get ac or Wi-Fi for a little bit, and like we walk in and we don't visually claim a religion. So they're like, "Where are you from? What religion are you?" They could tell we can't afford their hotel and kick us out. And but there we had heard that two police officers were killed in Jerusalem right before we got there, and we're like walking down this famous street. And and like it's all split up into quarters. There's the, I believe it's the Christian quarter, the Jewish quarter, Muslim quarter, and the Armenian quarter. I think that's what it is. And you have to be careful where you drive with rental cars because your plate makes it obvious that there's a rental car. And like Danny told me the story. For instance, his dad, granted this was many years ago, left a rental car in the Armenian quarter. He came back, his rental car was on fire. Whoa. And so we were already just, we were kind of being careful, but it's like, like we we are walking down this street that borders like the end of it borders the Muslim quarter with the Christian quarter, and there's a full standoff, and like there's people on walls with like rifles all like and it's so casual there like I saw someone come out of a liquor store and they i guess a convenience store I should say with like an a k around their neck and get into the equivalent of an uber there like whether they're just going out that night. And like we're sleeping in our car, and we're like, ah, oh. and that's nuts. Yeah, man. so we're like walking down this narrow, and it's like it's said to be like the like it's a. I expected some parts to be touristy, for like a religion aspect, but there were some areas where it's like you know there's stanchions that give you a brochure. You're like, okay, this is touristy, and there's a lot of spots where like if you know, you know. Like if this is like, like we were walking down the street, they say Jesus walked with the cross and it's the furthest thing from touristy. And that was the area where there was like people with rifles on the roofs. And it's so casual for them. Like they're like, there's like a mom and kids walking by and we see the, them jokingly point at them, just like joking. It's just that casual. Just, you're just around it every day. Yeah. That's and, normal. Yeah. yeah. And we get to the end of the road where the border of the Christian and Muslim quarters are and there's a ton of people on the Muslim side behind these like event fences screaming there's 
like what looks like the SWAT team on our side in the Christian quarter and news cameras everywhere. And then the people on like rooftops with rifles and then Danny and I, and they're pushing everyone away except Danny and I. And we're like, why are we here? Why are we allowed to be here? And we like, we're like looking around and like this guy that could tell our situation behind us and spoke English was like, this is where two cops were killed last week. And they're adding extra security for um, extra security measures to prevent that in the future. And no one's happy with that because before you could just walk freely through it. So um, the Muslim side was protesting and they, and the guy was like, yeah, there could be, there might be an attack or riot at any moment. And we were told before we got there, because like that whole, I mean, everywhere, of course, in the Middle East, it's like, can be touchy at times. Like we were going to go to Bethlehem and they're like, do not go to Bethlehem. So like, okay, we won't. Yeah, there's like a lot of contention going yes, on like yes. all the time, especially, I mean, those areas, the Holy Lands are being, they've been centuries, you know? Yeah. It's like at any point, con- areas are constantly just hostile and very fragile. And like, like, like I just saw someone that went to Bethlehem perfectly fine. And I'm like, oh, it wasn't safe when I was there, but I guess it is now. But like it very much like you hear about how divisive it is over there and then you're there and you're like, whoa, there's literally like if you turn a corner and there's a rabbi turn right and there's what what looks like the Pope walking down the street. You know, it's it's that divided. Like we asked for directions in the Christian quarter once and the directions were to somewhere in the Jewish quarter. They'd never been there. Whoa. Yeah. And it's two blocks like you could you, you turn you turn two corners. They've never been there. And it is that divided. And one thing we were told before going there was if crowds start forming, if the streets start emptying, if people start closing up their shops, leave. And we're like in this situation being told what's happening. And we're like, hmm, the stores are closing. The streets are empty. And there's like crowds walking this way. And we're like, all right, let's... (laughs) Time Let's for us leave. to leave. Yeah, and we're like, where are we sleeping that night? <laughs> oh, my god! And and at one point, we like we were half joking, half serious, but the U.S. Embassy was right there. And we're like, we sleep right in front of the U.S. Embassy. Anything goes wrong, we have, they would be the first to protect us. I mean, and like I said, this isn't to say that like Jerusalem isn't like a safe touristy area, but it's just at that specific time, it was, there's a lot going on. And... I don't I remember where we parked the car that night, but yeah, we just like had to sleep where we felt safest in the car with the windows cracked and went down to uh, Eilat the next day, which is like this southern town that like you look to the left, it's Jordan, look to the right, it's Egypt. And we're in the sandwich shop and see on the news, like all these riots, like rubber bullets, everything. Like it's like world news, the riots happening like where we were standing were, in Jerusalem whoa. and we're like... dang that's nuts we dodged that and yeah it was like it's hectic and then you go down to Eilat and it's like it feels like Coney Island in the Middle East desert (laughs) it's like (laughs) that's crazy it's just tourists and that's it and it's like that's happening just a couple hours that's what I've heard about like Egypt like when you go there like especially where like the pyramids are it's like literally just the most like tourist trap like Coney Island that's what I've heard super cheesy and it's just like how crazy is that you know but like not far from there it's like it's the real freaking deal exactly it's it's very like touchy it was interesting too because like like even just on the like political side where like Danny was in the process of getting his green card and he 
there was like the Muslim country ban going on in the States at the time. And he had to call his lawyer because we were about to go into Jordan and which we couldn't end up doing because long story short, it would have cost hundreds of dollars to cross the border for a couple hours and come back. So you have to pay to leave Israel, pay to enter, which is factored into plane tickets. Mm -hmm. But if you just straight up walk across, there's a fee. And um, so he had to call his lawyer and be like, if I go to Jordan or Egypt, will I have trouble getting back into the States? And I'm like, well, this is like seeing this all, like you hear about everything on the news with like this band, that band, this religious like Where divisiveness. Have you been re recently? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, yeah, like it was like seeing it all firsthand right there. Like we, we thought about driving to the pyramids. It was a 10 hour drive from where we were. And we started like looking it up and it was like, no, everything in between that border and the pyramids is just like people waiting out to shoot out your tires, steal your car. And especially a rental car filled with tourists. Yeah. And so we're like, okay. People who don't know the area <laughs> exactly. aren't armed. Yeah. That's so bizarre, man. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And that just put everything into, and like, because Danny and I had done a lot of like Southeast Asia trips too. And like third world countries where that's eye-opening in a whole different level of where, of just like the, the extreme poverty. And, but seeing like the, the temperamentalness of like the Middle East at that time, it was like, whoa. It's not just all, it's not all just fluff in the news, which I figured it wasn't, but seeing it right in front of your face, it's like. Yeah, like experiencing yeah. that firsthand. Yeah. And then also seeing people like living in it, like it's there, like you're saying, mm -hmm. you know, there's like a mom and a kid walking by, yeah. riots going on and yeah. you're just, they're just normal. Yeah. Like that's there every day. So like that's, yeah. that's another crazy thing I'm sure to see that firsthand and just be like, whoa, people mm. are just living their normal lives and this is going yeah. on. This is every day. Yeah, it's like. Do you think that was like one of your more hectic experiences? It, it was, especially in hindsight, because in that moment, it's like I've been overseas for like a month and a half at that point. So it's like you're almost numb to everything. But then you're there and you're like, okay, like where are we parking this car to sleep tonight while there's riots going on in this city? And we, and I don't know if this is true, but what we heard afterwards is the reason that we didn't get kicked out is because of that like scene is because we weren't visibly claiming a certain religion. Basically, no one cared if we if we were caught in the crossfire of anything. Like if you're we just were like killed. neutral, yeah, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like Dang, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, nobody was like fighting to get you out yeah, of there. Yeah. They're not like, oh, you're this, come with me, like off this way. Or like it, they just huh? Which wow. I'm like, I'm sure, of course, if anything were to happen to yeah. to, to tourists and it would have been a big deal. But like in that moment, that's what we were told that that's why they, no one was pulling you off to the side because you weren't adding to the divisiveness by being by visibly claiming a certain religion. Yeah. Like, wow, dude, that's yeah. so nuts. And it's also, it also gave it perspective into like, like we were, cause not often as are, are we as Americans in the position of where we're hit with the, where are you from? Okay. Get out. Like, like that's something that we all know exists in this world, but it was my first time getting it firsthand, like because we weren't from there, because we weren't claiming their specific religion. Like I said, in these hotels, like full profiled, like they could tell that that we're not, I mean, they were right yeah. <laughs> that we can't afford their hotel, but like, oh, you're from America. What religion are you? And you're not going to afford this hotel. Get out. Like it <laughs> just door slamming yeah, your yeah. face. Which just opens up your eyes to like what 
other people do go through all the time mm-hmm. and like because yeah it's a lot of perspective to mm-hmm. gain dude yeah do you feel like a lot of those perspectives have like shaped your life and like changed the trajectory of like the way that you've gone in life like getting to experience stuff like that yeah i think that and like i said a lot of like the southeast asia trips with with like like cambodia or myanmar where like we went to this village in cambodia where the kids didn't have shoes they didn't have clothes and like danny had some oranges with him and they're like oh can like we have some some oranges like just motioning towards him and he's like yeah of course and like the kid takes the oranges gives all the and we're just out to all of his friends before even taking one for himself. And it's like, these kids have like massive smiles on their face. And and that's like, I feel like a lot of people like, it's like not to glorify the poverty, of course, because that's something that no one should have to go through. But it gives you perspective that these kids have a massive smile on their face. And they're like, because this, 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 this village, half the year is underwater because the, the water rises so high um, during the rain season. So it's, the the floor that their houses are on half the year is just mud and their only way to dispose of trash is burning it so it looks like a war zone right there and then the other half of the year is uh it's full of water so they have to canoe to their school and everything but these kids biggest smile on their face or meanwhile on the bus to that village we had these american tourists complaining that he's not sitting next to his wife he's sitting behind his wife and he's not happy with the chair that he's sitting in and like man yeah like, yeah then you see that and you're just like mm-hmm. you want to shake that guy because yes. you're just like man, yes. like you don't get it yeah. exactly and yeah it, it gives a lot of perspective to all that stuff especially just like like yeah when things are i mean you you can't constantly compare because it's always to say like there's always someone going through something worse but like it definitely adds perspective to when you're like oh man this like like i think about one thing i think about all the time is like um, a friend and I were just driving through Eastern Europe together through some pretty r- rough areas. And and you, it just like, it makes you think like how lucky we are to even some days to be able to say like, I'm so bored. Mm-hmm. Like what a concept. Yeah. For Meanwhile, us to we have all the technology. On, yeah. We have Netflix right? and you're so bored. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh, there's nothing on TV. Like, oh, it's raining today. Like, like you see these people in these places that do not have a moment to not work. Yeah. Every day is wake up. Like there's the. They're fighting for survival. Exactly. The concept of waking up and saying, what are we doing today? Has never occurred to them. It's wake up, do what you have to do, enjoy it in any way you can, go to sleep, wake up and do it the next day. And that's your whole life. And it's like for us to be like, I mean, granted, like I said, you can't just snap yourself out of like ever saying you're bored, but it's like, it does make you think where it's like, man, how lucky am I to be bored under this roof right now? Yeah. Or like when anything In a happens. climate controlled home. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, even just like on a smaller scale, I always think where I'm like, like, especially it really hits after like a trip where you're just like in rough sleeping situations the whole time. But you're like when you're just at home in a bed for the first time in a long time and you're like, man, like, especially when it's like raining or windy outside it's like man i've been in a tent in this before how sick is it that i'm in this house right now yeah well then you think back to you know the kids in cambodia or the people in eastern europe that mm -hmm. are in like you know shanties and you're just like wow dude like yeah yeah i'll never complain about how much this costs or whatever it is yeah 
it's very interesting like us as americans like we've almost created all the problems that we have it, like, we, yeah. Oh, yeah none we just of make them, them up. are really real like, yeah. it doesn't invalidate the fact that they are problems yeah like, we all have problems that are just as real right like mm -hmm. they're problems to us but yeah. like when you really like dilute it down and you look at like what real problems are like yeah. being able to eat or like yeah. you know having a nice place to live or whatever it might be yeah like, oh yeah. man maybe i shouldn't complain about being bored right. or like whatever simple things that we have here you know like, there's nothing to watch on tvs like, yeah bro what yeah exactly like how nothing like how sick is it that like our problem of the day might be it's raining and i can't ride my bike today. yeah like how sick is that, yeah, that how that's lucky our problem yeah like yeah it, it, it really like that really yeah. dawned on me a couple of years ago. Like, I don't know why it was just one day randomly. I like was filling up some water and I just like had to take a second to realize I'm like, I've never ever once had to consider that water wasn't going to come out of this faucet. Mm -hmm. And that like really, really messed me up for a dude. long time because I was like, dude, there's people who have never seen running mm -hmm. water, you know, mm -hmm. they would kill for that. And yeah. like, it's so like baked into us societally that like yeah. that's an expectation. Yeah. And like, so then, yeah, you share the perspectives of seeing this stuff firsthand. And it's like, dude, that's, it's heavy. Yeah. It makes you realize again. And like you said, you, it doesn't just like invalidate any problem we have, but it definitely like makes you think like, man, how, like, how lucky am I that these are my problems? You know, like, like on the, on the, on the brighter side on, on your negatives. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got to like enjoy your problems, right? Yeah. Like problems suck. Everybody, yeah. you know. We, we can all have bad days. Like that's very valid. But mm -hmm. like when you think about our problems compared to like what other people are experiencing throughout the world, it's like, man, I'm happy to have the problems that I have. Yeah. Like, yeah. It doesn't mean that they don't still suck, but yeah, like, I'm happy yeah. to have the problems that I have. So. Exactly. And even like another like weird perspective I've gotten on that is when I'm in these situations on trips where like I'm like looking for a place to stay or like don't have anywhere to stay or like and like any problem that you've whatever like something stupid that you're replaying in your head over and over or overthinking, whether it just be like something back home or some sort of relationship thing or whatever, that's just like replaying in your head. As soon as you're looking for a place to sleep on the streets it and it's cold, out. I'm not thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's funny. Like, like I was on this, like the last Europe trip I did, I was like traveling with a friend and we like had places to stay every night. But as soon as I like broke off on my own, I was like, back to my old ways of like all right find a hostel with 20 beds Getting a little more scrappy yeah exactly and there was like one night where the hostel didn't have any beds so i was just like it was freezing cold and i was like sleeping on the streets i slept in a train station in antwerp and like anything any like stupid thing that I was able to like build up in my head and i just create a problem about while the while i was flying there or had time on the bus or train to just think and overthink just like trivial things as soon as you're like looking for somewhere to lay a sleeping bag in a train station and it's cold because there's no doors it's like you're not thinking about any of that you're like where am i sleeping tonight what am I? and it's like it's just like it's like a primal form yeah, of like, bare minimum yeah. fight to survive exactly it's the instinct yeah comes out. it's like i kind of love it like i i almost like looked for like i was kind of like it was, a, it was a long story of how I ended up having to sleep on that in the train station. But I was like, like looking for like, I'm like, all right, I could try this hostel. I could try that. And nothing ended up working out. But in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm excited. I haven't done this in a while. Especially usually I'm like with a friend, which is fun. But I'm like, I haven't done it like alone. And like, just like, 
like I was like kind of craving yeah, it more or less. Like like loitering in some hotel lobby for heat, pretending I was gonna buy a room, but knowing I couldn't afford it, and then like leave at the last second and go sleep in the train station. And like I like I loved it. Like, That's sick. But at the same time, how lucky am I to be able to love that? Yeah. Like because I could, I have the option to. Yeah, worst case scenario. Exactly. I could have stayed at that hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I have that option. Whereas like, and that's not to, of course, like romanticize. Oh, we sleep on the streets for fun. It's like, I I was doing it to save a buck. Some people don't have a choice. Yeah. And that's a whole different thing. But it was like, it it, it was a weird thing to like, oh, any problem that I was just making in my head by being on a plane for hours, then a bus, then a train, and then just by myself in these countries for however long. I'm like, that's all gone as soon as you're looking for a place to put your head that night. That's an interesting exercise to actually think about. Like when you are like, you know, you're thinking about a problem that you have. Like, Mm -hmm. is it a real problem? Yeah. Kind of going through like, what is a real problem in my life? Like like you're saying right there, like right in that moment, your only real problem is like, am I going to be safe where I'm sleeping tonight? Am I going to be warm? Yeah, exactly. Like that's, I'm like, if that's the only thing I'm worried about right now, it's like, like just, just something like just basic and like bare bones about that. It's like, it doesn't matter what time I have to clock into like work tomorrow, like remotely. Like it doesn't matter like what I was overthinking about the other day. Like I'm like. That's kind of like what humans were designed to yeah, do. You know that, what I that's, mean? That's like, what I mean. Yeah. It's some sort of like primal instinctual like problem solving thing where it's like, man, this is how, this is how it was. That's cool. This is how it like, and all these first world new world problems are just gone when you're like man how am i gonna get kicked out like in the morning am i gonna like and like it's 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 easy when you have a like a car or a tent and i'm like but i'm like when i just have a backpack and my bike and that's it it's like oh how's this gonna go yeah well i'm sure even like sleeping like you know you wake up like is your bike gonna be there is your bag gonna be there because you know you've you hear stories all the time of people like sleeping with their stuff like i always think about like Corey. I think about he, that yeah, all the time. Corey's staying in Barcelona. Yes. And like he had all of his stuff basically wrapped around yes. him and like somehow it got taken. Yes. You know? It's ever like, since then, ever since I've I've always been like conscious of it, but ever since hearing that story, I tie all my bags together and tie one of my bags to me. Which I'm a light sleeper. Corey did that too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, dude, like I like to think I'm a light sleeper, but I'm still worried I'm like like Someone, what if I'm in a deep sleep for some reason? Yeah. Someone unties it. So I'm just like, and you're never fully asleep well, in those moments. I'm sure the people, like the thieves in those areas too, like they've seen it all. So yeah. they know how to navigate, like getting whatever they need exactly. as quickly as they need. Like, exactly. That's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, there's one thing that I want to talk about because I feel like we've kind of glossed over it, and that's photography in your life. Yeah. So yeah. when does photography enter your life? Is it around the time of like, hanging with LZ or is it later? Like when does it pop up for you? It was, it was kind of around the time with Adam. Yeah. Because there was a little bit where he was like, Oh, he had an old camera and he's like, he's like, he could tell I just had my hands and like a bunch of different, like random things. He's like, like what would, he's like, I had this old camera. Would you want to like do that? And I was always, even before that, I always wanted, like I was into photos, but was never, taking proper ones and so he gave me his digital setup that he was getting rid of and I used that for a bit and then but I was always like fascinated with the concept of like going on a trip shooting film and getting those photos back months later and I'm like I want to do that I had a couple friends that were doing that 
And I was telling my parents that, and my mom, uh, her old film camera that my grandpa got her was broken at the time, and they got it fixed, and that was a Christmas present, I think, or a birthday present one year. And that's what, like, like I used the, the, the digital setup whenever I, I, like, wanted the instant gratification of, like, giving someone a riding photo right then and there, or if I wanted one, ask them to shoot one for me or something like that. But the film was like, oh yeah, but like like the first riding trip I did, I mean, Europe trip with Danny is when I like f- shot my first role. And I was like, this is the sickest thing. And kind of learning slowly but surely like, okay, this photo is not great. And I think I know why. Let me try exposing differently. I'm like I, I was exposing for the person and they're, everything else is completely blown out. You know, like little things you learn with film and slowly but surely like kept going until like for the most part now, aside from like like crazy lighting situations, like I like have the I have the 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 gist of it and primarily shoot film and started shooting more and more to the point like in that first trip I think I shot two rolls in the first and like a month and a half of travel which is like crazy to me now like I was just gone for like two months and shot like 20 something rolls and which even still that is like modest compared to a lot of people but yeah it was really it really started with like shooting a bunch of film and then now like recently um have gotten a more because like living with my roommate Avery who's a videographer and he's like dude when I, like I have always had a digital setup like even after the one Adam gave me but always just focused on film and that's where Avery was like whenever you have a legit digital setup I can get you work so now I have gotten a that's more sick. legit digital setup so I could take photo work whenever it presents itself and Avery's gotten me a ton of work so but what were those first cameras that you get? What was the first digital and what was the what was the camera your mom gave you? So I think I think the, the the digital was a was a rebel. Like like a T3 like the classic. I love that that's the first camera everybody <laughs> always has, has, dude. That the T3i, dude. Yep, I think that's exactly what it was. That's and, so cool. Yep, and the film one was well it is cuz I still use it a Nikon FE which is basically the mm-hmm. Nikon equivalent to the AE1 mm-hmm. and I have always wanted to branch out from there but like into like medium format or more elaborate like SLR setups but I'm like I'm always traveling with at most a bike and a backpack maybe two backpacks and I'm like I love the compactness of traveling with that thing and i'm like it hasn't done me wrong like there's been stuff rusty yeah exactly like i if especially with film if the light's good like it doesn't matter what it's shot on like i mean and that camera has done me like extremely well like it it's way like it's funny i like bought my friend a camera recently ended up getting her the same one that i have the nikon fe and in the process, learned way more about it than I even knew. And I'm like, okay, so this is even, like, I've been it shooting with it for more. years, but yeah. And, but since then I've started, like the, the FE is my main like film camera, but like would occasionally buy disposables just for that 
different effects, especially just like I love a disposable yeah. camera, man. Yeah, especially like the nighttime flash stuff. Like that brings you stuff that it's like you can't. Yeah, there's something yeah. so reminiscent about like a a good like disposable camera photo with exactly. the flash. It's just like yeah, you can't really recreate right? that, man. Especially when like everyone on trip has one. Yeah, and it's like like I would do that like. Like, like I said, like with James, where it's like, oh, dude, just get it disposable for this trip. Shoot the whole thing. And like, it just adds like with everyone shooting them. And now I carry around like a point and shoot too, which was fun like to have, like I used it recently when I was in Europe for a couple months because the amount of times like want to shoot something, but like don't have, like I'm like, I can't pull focus right now and set up and check the lighting, but I can just go like that real quick. And the amount of like just street photos I have of stuff that I've wanted to shoot before, but I haven't been able to just like, whatever, like there was like one of, one of my favorite photos, the amount of incredible, beautiful places I went to on that trip. And one of my favorite photos on the whole trip is just because I had the point shoot on me is this, uh, this photo, of this old man, I don't know what the context was it of it, but he's pushing a shopping cart full of mannequin heads across the street in Barcelona and I was like able to quickly get my like, my point and shoot out and I'm like I wouldn't have had time to do that like That's so I just sick. love keeping that there's something um, to be said about like the minimalist approach to that type yeah, of stuff or just yeah. life in general yeah. right like the best tool is the one that's in your pocket yeah, and like it's, just, it's sick that you can just like whip out a point and shoot quick and, like, and easy yeah yeah and if it, if it works it works if it sucks just whatever and like like even just like like I had a black and white roll in and like shooting everyone in the pit at the fast and lose premiere. I am the most excited to get that roll back that I have been in a long time of yes. just everyone in the pit. I can't wait to see I'm like, those. I'm just so excited. I'm like, I'm always using this more than uh, my FE now, but that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you switch back and forth to like between the vibe that you're trying to set and everything. For sure. Too, right? For sure. Especially if it's like, I mean, and the, the, point and shoot has zoom too so but yeah like especially if i want like settings that i would never have thought to use flash before like i before it only crossed my mind in very dark settings but now i'm just like you know if there's a nice sunset and this it, it's a little bit dark here you know instead of them being poorly lit flash on them like is a whole different like almost like a a slightly tacky disposable look to it that like i appreciate that's what it is i love it i love it it's like i'm oh, like i said using that just as much as as uh, so cool. and there's sometimes where i'm like man like this is this was on the point and shoot like i got really got lucky this time <laughs> like sometimes with those things it's just luck i mean like yeah with with the fe it's like i could usually pinpoint where i messed up but i'm like sometimes the, the point, point shoot, yeah, you just can't get like it. recreate it yeah man. that's yeah. kind of the beauty of simplicity though right mm -hmm. like you know, when it works, it works. And like exactly. nine times out of 10, simplicity wins every single yeah, time. Yeah, so. especially like when getting, having to wait that period to get the photos back. The amount of times I was like so focused on a photo being perfect or shooting like 10 different exposures to make sure I nail it. And I get the film back months later and I blew it on all of them because my light meter was off. And it doesn't matter anymore. In that moment, I was like, I have to create this. I have to get this perfect. And I'm like, creating ah, unnecessary yeah, stress. Exactly. I'm like, I get back months later. I'm like, ah, like would have been cool, but it's not a big deal. Here we are now. Like, yeah, exactly. Do you have any guys that you draw inspiration from? Like who, who are you looking at that gets you sparked? Dude, honestly, there's, there's not really anything specific, but I, I, very i mean I, i'm in, everything i'm into i'm into like 
old stuff. Everything music is like I start listening to, you know, a band from the 60s and I'm like, find out this was a cover from a blues band in the 30s and listen to that. And it's like all my friends give me the hardest time about it. They're like, do you listen to something past 1980? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and but so like through being around all that, just like like I was talking about before we started this is like the photographer that went on tour with Bob Dylan in Europe, just like those moments of him. And granted, like some of those are photos are so iconic. They're simple photos, but it's the person that's in it. But like some of that stuff is like where I'm, I'm like, that is the coolest thing ever to me, especially like moments where it like it doesn't ha- even like video wise, like I don't know a thing about, video but just looking at moments where i'm like someone was happening to be there to document that like that was backstage at the time touring with them or like even just yeah like whether it's concert footage that like like there, there's one documentary and this again this is video not photo but it's called heartworn highways i think you guys i might have talked about it with you guys before oh, yeah. mm-hmm. but it was like the the underground austin outlaw country scene of dudes that weren't big at the time but someone was there with a camera recorded it and now like that footage forever exists and it's iconic there's something so special too about stuff that like isn't staged it isn't falsified like you can only get it if you're there in the moment and like nine times out of ten with stuff like that or like these iconic photos people don't even know that there's a camera on them yeah and like that's what i think is so cool about like photographers or videographers like especially people who are tuned in and they know what they're looking for specifically. Like you can capture these perfect moments that like they're, yeah, it's, it's the Kodak moment, you know, it's that very, it's a golden nugget of time that like you can't have somebody be like, okay, well, can you turn around and do that one more time? Cause like they're not acting instinctually. They're not doing exactly Mm -hmm. what they do. And like, yeah, there's something really special to be said about like just being there, being in the moment. Yeah. And that's what, that's one of the things about that documentary that apparently like that's what some of the because uh, I mean none of those dudes in that documentary were stars at the time they they are now but at the time they were just like kind of underground and they were like listen you could put these cameras on but do not interrupt we're gonna play our music we're gonna do whatever we're doing you could turn the camera on but if you interrupt you're out and that and what whatever they have is like what they got and. Again, from like a video perspective, it was funny. I was showing my roommate some of his stuff yesterday, but there's this um, documentary. Uh, there's this videographer, I guess you would call him, um, Les Blank. And he does a lot of documentaries. Like he did one on Leon Russell while he was recording one of his country albums. Wow. And he's, again, just not interrupting anything. He's just in the studio it's a fly on the filming wall. and That's yeah and it's like and like i feel like it's just the amount like a lot of it isn't just like it, it's like in rural o- oklahoma and he's like filming the locals doing whatever they're doing and has no context to the documentary there's no plot line but i'm like that's a beautiful moment that was just happening it just happened to be captured and i feel like that's the type of stuff where i'm like like as much as i am guilty of like having someone be like, hey, can you stand over there? Like for a photo, like I just love, like the stuff I'm most happy with afterwards is the stuff where I'm like, that was already existing or like like moments that weren't perfect lighting wise, 
or anything else, but I'm like, I want to remember this to take a photo. Sometimes the photos sucks. Yeah, and perfectly imperfect. Yeah, and sometimes I'm like, wow, that's the lighting I would have never shot in. Because I would be like, ah, eh, it's not perfect. You know, it's not great. But I shot in it because I wanted a photo of that tent in that bowl and ended up with something that I'm happy with. That's so know? cool. Yeah, I feel like that comes with experience too, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I heard a quote the other day that like really spoke to me because I've always been the kind of person who's always said like, I want quality over quantity. Yeah. And this quote like really struck me because they were talking, I believe it was about Picasso. I could be wrong. So don't criticize me (laughs) if I am. But they were saying that I believe he had painted over 60,000 pieces in his lifetime, which equated to like 30 pieces a day or something crazy. Um, And the quality produced or the quantity produced quality because he weeded out all the ones that weren't going to work. And then you end up with you know, these 60 pieces that have gone down as like some of the best pieces of art in history. Um, And same thing I feel like with photography or video or Mm -hmm. writing for that matter, it's like the more you do something, even if it's bad, then you start weeding out like the bad stuff and you come to the good stuff. The quality comes to the top, you know. Like something's going to hit. Uh-huh. So I like that idea of just being like, I'm just going to shoot whatever the fuck. But like the more you do that, the more you start like, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously you start to understand like, Hey, I'm looking for this type of scene or Mm -hmm. this type of light, even though it's not perfect. Like that's what I think is perfect. Exactly. Like going based off of that type of like, Oh, like I shot in light that I wouldn't have shot before. I see how that film looks now. And I, I either nailed it somehow by, by fluke or, I see what I did wrong there. And now next time I shoot in that kind of light and like, I mean, even like I keep relating everything to music, but I'm like, I think of like the amount of, which this is a whole different level, but like the amount of Bob Dylan songs that were throwaways that became hits for other people that were just like, I mean, like, like uh wagon wheel is an unfinished Bob Dylan song that he never like, That's he, crazy. he has like, he starts singing the chorus and fades out, never finishes it. And it's like, that what what that became like like you you look at the outtakes and like some of his basically like bootleg albums were just stuff that he was never like yes like the big ones became hits but some of his songs that were just like oh like just him and acoustic guitar ended up on a bootleg album never ended up anywhere else it's like what that was someone was recording that and like the amount of stuff he produces and stuff that he doesn't even deem necessary to be on it on an album or whatever but it ends up i heard the story with him he was with it was him and joan baez and he wrote this song has one bootleg recording of it of himself but then it was covered so many times and he he's with joan baez and the song plays on the radio and I forget who was whose version it was. And he's like, this is a beautiful song. And she's like, you wrote this, Bob. Whoa. <laughs> like, See, what? dude, quantity over quality because right? it like, produces quality. Yeah. Think about how many. Like, he had to have written so many freaking mm-hmm. songs mm-hmm. to forget that he wrote the yeah. song that he just listened to and was like, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. That's it, crazy to it, think about. It blew my mind where he's like, oh, this is it. There's another like perspective I like that didn't fully click with me when I heard it, but like since then have like it's really like resonated in some ways. Like he, um, there's a Towns Van Zandt album where he's kind of doing a 
interview in between playing songs. And he's like, yeah, I just happened to be the one to write that song. He's like, someone had to write it. It had to be written down. It just happened to be me. There's other songs I wish I wrote, but someone else happened to write it down. He's like, someone had to write it. Like, as if it's just this 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 entity to be claimed. And he he got this one. And it's like, it's just, it's out there. And I'm like, wow, that's like a crazy way to look at that's it. That's like, like uh, just showing up, right? Yeah. Putting the work in. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know who Rick Rubin is, right? Yeah, yeah. So he talks about that a lot of like, if you, if an idea comes to you and you don't act on it, it kind of goes back up into this like, you know, creative consciousness yeah. and like somebody else is going to reach up and grab yeah. it and pull it down. So it's like yeah. a really interesting like take on it. It's yeah. Like, from like a songwriting perspective too, of just like, yeah, if somebody it, was going to do it. It yeah. just happened to be me. Yeah. It just happened to be him to have the words come to him at that time. That's and it's cool. like, wow, that's like a crazy way to think of it. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it's the amount of times like you're, you're reading a book or a poem or it's like, wow, that someone, they just took that out of my head and put that on paper. Like I didn't know how to formulate that mm -hmm. thought into words and I'm reading it right here. And it's like, that's the same concept. Yeah, that's how like, I feel. They that's wrote it I'm down, thinking, yeah. you know, like they, they like it clicked for them and they, that's why everyone can relate so heavily to books, poetry, music, anything. It's like, Certainly. yeah, it's just like, you're feeling something that so, some, especially when you're reading something old or listening to something old, I feel like it's even crazier. It's like, man, you felt that in some room in the 50s and wrote it down. And now I'm reading it feeling the exact same way. In a way different way of life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it still relates. Yeah. You know? It's it's a crazy concept. That is that's, crazy. That's like true art, though. It's like if it's still resonating and it was that. Yeah, mm -hmm. like transcends culture. It, yeah. And that's, dude, yeah. that's, that's a true piece of artwork. Yeah. That's that timeless. Like if it's, if it's stayed that true through all the all the changes of would you say it's stuff. legendary perhaps some could say it's legendary <laughs> <laughs> well since we're on the topic of creativity i think this is a perfect time to talk about the book that you published last year okay i um yeah that i mean that kind of basically started from everything i was just saying of just like shooting a bunch of photos just because and Mason actually reminded me of this. I forgot that one of the first like seeds that became the book was when him and I were going to Europe for a little bit. I was like, we were, we were driving across the country from Florida, California first. James was going to Woodward and him and I were going to be floating around for a couple of days, homeless if you will, and then flying to Europe and I'm like, we're going to sleep in some interesting places. I know we are. I'm like, I'm going to shoot a film photo of everywhere we sleep this entire trip until I'm back home in my own bed. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, I'm like, some places are going to have, again, like awful lighting. Sometimes we're going to sleep in beds. Like, and it's just going to be a photo of someone's bed in their house. But I'm going to shoot a photo of everywhere. And I did that. And sometimes it was awkward because sometimes like someone offered us a place to stay and I'm like I'd wake up in their house I'm like hey so I'm doing this thing like <laughs> I'm gonna shoot a photo of this bed <laughs> like okay like, all right like go do ahead. you want me in it yeah I'm like, I'm like please just get out after you take the photo <laughs> and so that's how it, like I forgot that that's kind of how it started but I did that and I was like oh I'll make a zine and then you get all the photos back and I'm like this photo, and especially like I had one fixed lens, it was a 50. And when you're shooting in a small European apartment, trying to get a photo of a bed, 
you get some like you can't even tell what you're shooting a photo of just like the corner of a room exactly and i'm like i'm like some a lot of these photos are not great but i'm like i do have a bunch of these other photos and i was always like into the concept of a zine or some sort of like even like when i before I was into all of this, I was into like print stuff. Like I had like, I was super young. I had this phase where I was in RC cars for some reason. It lasted like a month. I would go buy the magazines for RC cars. And then I'm like, as soon as I got into BMX, I'm like, I want a subscription to the magazines. And that, granted, that was like before social media too. So it's like everyone kind of appreciated that. But like, I was like, I could sit and look at the same photos on like in these magazines forever. Even like, when I was like super, super young, my grandpa would give us these old National Geographic copies and I still have them to this day. It's just like in my, at my parents' house, just stacks of National National Geographic magazines. And I would just like look through them and not even like fully appreciate it to the extent that I would now, but I'm like, this is sick. And so I wanted to do some sort of zine or something. And I'm like, I have all these photos now, but kept pushing it off, especially like as like continuing to shoot more photos, like whether traveling or not, I was just shooting a bunch. I'm like, yeah, one day. And then um, I was just, it was just always on the back burner. And the girl that lived across the street from us at the time, Ashley, who moved into our house, she also shoots film photos. And when she moved into our house at the time and I moved into the master, she's like, you got to, like, do this book you keep talking about. I'm like, okay, okay, well. And so I, like, it was still just in the back of my head of, like, all right, I'll start putting it together at some point. But I kept doing trips. And I'm like, well, like, I want this to go in there. I want this to go in there. And then even, like, a year or so after that is when I was like, all right, let me start putting this together. And, but I would, oh, anytime I got film developed, I would get prints. So, like, she had the idea of, like, put like string on your wall and organize like the photos that are going to go in the book, put it on the wall. So like I would clip the photo, put it on the wall and then started organizing it by like, okay, this is North America, Europe, Asia, like that, like if it's on the string, it's going in the book. And then, then I was like, some of these photos are not great, but they have a story behind it. And, and then some of them, I'm like, since I was so new to shooting photos and like that very, very first Europe trip, there's moments I didn't even think to shoot photos, but like have a story now. So I would like write down like a oh, story about France. And so I would like tag these prints on my wall of like, like blue means write a little caption about it. Green means write a whole story about it. And the ones that didn't have it just wouldn't have any type of story. And that was still just like on the back burner. That was just like me being like, all right, I started it. Like I'm organizing stuff. But then I was like, oh, like once the prints started like filling my drawers, as I kept getting film developed, I like stopped getting prints because that's why like my lease was up. And I'm like, I'm going to be, I want everything to fit my car. So I, there was like a weird thing where I started putting it together where I'm like, there were some photos I'd look at digitally where I'm like, eh, this doesn't belong in there. Then I'd hold the print and I'm like, actually, I like this photo. And slowly was just like, I'm like, all right, well, now I have the photos kind of organized. I don't know the next step. I could start writing stories about the ones that 
I feel need a story. And like, even like, like right now, it's like I briefly tell like a story from a trip and like you cover the surface, but then like when I'm sitting there writing about it all, it all comes back. And what I thought would be like a two paragraph thing is like four pages now. And I just keep going and going. And I'm like, oh, this kind of the story too. And just kept building it and building it. And it was all film. And, but again, I kept doing trips. So I'm like, well, let me include this. All right, after this. And then after like a few years of it, like I liked it because I just had always had something to work on. Like if I didn't like feel like riding for a day, like, but didn't want to feel guilty, like not going to the skate park because I just like wasn't feeling it today. I was just tired. I'm like, oh, I'll just go to a coffee shop and like write for 10 hours and I'm doing something. And it was like always having something to do, which I like really enjoyed. And this is when I was like kind of couch hopping too. So I would just like go to a coffee shop, like do a lot of writing on my laptop and slowly get together to the point where I was like, okay, now like my very first roles, I have prints, but don't have scans of or vice versa. I don't remember exactly what it was, but at some point it led me to having to go get a, because my first rolls ever, I dropped off at Walmart and they give you a CD with your scans instead of like a, instead of sending them to you. Yeah. And dropping off at Walmart for my first roll ever was a mistake because it's average at best, the scans, but I had to get like a CD to USB converter and I have like all these prints, all these CDs in this coffee shop. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, now I really started. <laughs> like now I, I started like getting every photo that I deemed necessary. I'm like, all right, this photo, like holding the print and then matching it to, to the CD, putting it in a folder and in this coffee shop, taking up this whole table. <laughs> and it was just getting ridiculous. And I'm like, man, I just like, <laughs> digital would be so nice right now. But um yeah, it just kept going, and then I was like, an Australia trip started getting discussed, and I was like, after Australia, that's it, I'm cutting it off, and went to Australia, got back, and then moved here, and I was like, well, now we're getting like, now Colorado is like a new, like I've been here a as a chapter. kid, but this is a new chapter too, and I'm like, I didn't leave my, I didn't leave my house, I'd take my camera, because I'm like, every, every view with the flat irons or any type of like good light, I'm like shooting something. So I'm like shooting more than ever. I'm like, all right, delaying the process even more. But using um, like InDesign to slowly like kind of piece it together, slowly format it, put the text in there. But I'm like, when this thing comes that you're ready to print, I have no clue. I like, I just Googled how to use InDesign. And this is like all the photos are slightly different sizes. The text isn't formatted properly. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't know what publishing was. I'm like, do I, am I self-publishing right now? Do I need to find a publisher? And so I like looked up publishers on Google Maps and drove to publishers in Denver. And a lot of these publishers are now just bookstores and they don't publish anymore. And I eventually got to one where they're like, no, we don't publish anything. They're like, but <laughs> they point to this rack of zines and they're like, that guy makes a bunch of zines and has helped a lot of people self-publish. If you want to hit him up, I'm like, okay, cool. I like got his Instagram, reached out to him, sent him an email. We got a phone call going. 
And he's basically like filling in all the gaps. Any question I have, he's like, well, you're self-publishing already. You've gotten this far. You're basically self-publishing. Um, you would just need to find a printer when you're done. And I was like, okay, what about like this, this, and that? And because I, I was worried, I'm like, I'm going to like, I'm very like, like obsessive with, with all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, like it doesn't really matter, but technically this photo is a little bit larger. I'm like, how do I standardize everything? How do I? And like, I didn't even realize at the time that like the amount of like, you can almost call it performance art, what he does um, or what he's done with his books. But he was like the perfect, like, he just was like the puzzle piece for everything I needed. He's like, Dang. he's like answering questions I didn't know I had. He's like, well, like this type of paper is this thick. This type of ink is what they're going to use, like everything. And was being super helpful. And I would basically be like, okay, I'll be back to you. I'm going to finish formatting all this, add a couple more rolls, and then I'll get back to you in a couple months. He's like, cool, let me know. And he basically basically like gave me like a consulting price and was just down to just help me bring it from a very rough InDesign project to a finished project where, and like I said, I found out afterwards, like, because I knew briefly what he had done, but like, He's his name's Peter. He's in Denver, and he's he like runs a press basically. He's like has like an old school press at his house, and he did a trip where he was hiking the PCT when he was I forget how old. I think he was twenty five, twenty seven or something. And they started hiking it. Him and his friend, and his friend basically they had to do it in a very specific amount of time in order for his friend to drive across the country get his stuff, drive back across the country, move into college. And they were approaching this like halfway point where they're like, we're not going to make it. We're not physically built for this right now. We're not ready. And they're like, let's come back when we're twice this age. And they did. And they came back exactly twice the age to the day. No way. He buried, he like buried a suit. So he was, he was like gra his gr college graduation at the time occurred while he was hiking the trail. So the day of his graduation, this is where I talk about like the, the performance art kind of stuff. He wore a cap and gown hiking the PCT while his graduation was happening, just as like an homage to the graduation Whoa. while he's on trail. And then like had something where he's like, okay, graduation's done. I should be like wearing it. I should be a suit and tie wearing person now. So was wearing suit, tie, slacks on the trail. Once he they quit to come back, he, I think this is the, properly like how the story goes but buried the suit in a briefcase exactly where they stopped and was like we're gonna come back twice our age i'm gonna dig up this suit again at this point it was all like in threads anyway from hugging the pct and um i'm gonna pick up where we left off long story short couldn't find the suit even like was on a hiking podcast recently and was like if anyone finds it i'll give you like a, it's, it's like, I think it was like a thousand bucks cash or really nice bottle of liquor or like a pound of weed, something like that. <laughs> and I found out the other day that he, someone was like able to geolocate exactly where it was and went there with metal detector and confirmed it's no longer there. Dang. So somebody dug yeah. it up somewhere <laughs> yeah, along something. the line. But all this to say that like he has a book where every page while he's, I think it was 27 is one type of paper, one type of font, and every page where he's twice the age 
is one type of paper, one type of font. Whoa. And anything, any notes written in between, he turned his handwriting into a font. And so he has three different types of fonts, multiple multiple different kinds of paper, and like all this type of stuff. And I found this out afterwards or like in the process. And I'm like, I was worried about me being too particular with stuff. I'm like, I found the perfect guy. Yeah. This just, dude who's just about the multimedia, yes, just exactly. like no rules. I yeah. love that approach. He was dude. like stoked on everything I was doing. And he was like happy to just help with no matter how many times I was like, hey, uh, I'm adding two more photos. Sorry. He's like, no problem. Like, where do you want them? And like, I would tell him exactly where he'd add stuff. Like it was to the point where we were, were dealing with this, this supplier, the printer in China. And I was still sending photos. And, but yeah, he was. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, man. he was perfect for it. Just and, instrumental in the process, yeah. it sounds like. And he was, it's funny because I was like being, I was like, all right, I've gone this far. I might as well have someone like read my work and make sure I don't have any like grammatical errors. And which in hindsight, I'm like, I didn't have to do that because I had a friend read it and just pick stuff up. But it was cool having it done for the first time. And this lady is reading the story. I've never met her. She's like, Peter reached out to me. He's like, she wants to see some of the photos. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. And she reaches out to him. She's like, okay, I wanted to see the photos because one of these stories sounded super familiar. One of the bowls we slept in in Vancouver, Washington, um, we got like rained out and our tent flooded and in the full pipe of this bowl. She lives right down the street from it. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what wow. a what a full circle situation where we years ago, me and three of my friends are sleeping in the deep end of this bowl. Well, it's fills with water because of a sprinkler, and scrambling out in the middle of the night thinking something happened. And she's two blocks down the street in her house. And then years later, is reading the story I wrote about it. That's <laughs> like, so crazy. Is, like, that's, that's like an inception cool. type moment, dude. That's crazy. Blew man. my mind. Wow. That's insane, though, to hear that it like started off as like the idea was like a small little zine. Yeah. And then it turned into what is it? 419 I pages. I think it's 419 pages. And like there was parts of the process where I was like, make it a highlight reel. Put in my best work. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And, but then I was like, the photos that aren't great, but have a story have a place in here too. So that's what ended up making it so large was. I love um, that though, that, that that's what you went with because that is like, that is what BMX is. It's like real, yeah. it's raw. And like, same thing with like the photos you've shot along the way, like you're learning, like it's yeah. real, it's raw. And like, not everything in life is perfect. And like. Yeah. Instagram's a highlight reel. Exactly. So like this book is like, yeah. it is reality and that's sick. Yeah. And it has all like the imperfections of like, like, oh, that f I like looking back on it, I'm like, oh, I would have shot this like that, but it doesn't matter. Like it's all done now. And I'm glad that the imperfection are all in there. And yeah, that it wasn't just a highlight reel. Cause I mean like a highlight reel would have been like a hundred page book. And it's funny, like as, as it got bigger and bigger, I would be like, man, what does a 400 page book of this size like look like? I would like go to bookstores and like, this is a big book. How like how many pages is this? I'm like 230. I'm like, oh no, this is going <laughs> to be twice this size. So like, yeah, I had no idea of like, I mean, and in hindsight, I like, I think of it, I'm like, if I was definitely going for a, like a, a business standpoint, I could have made 15 zines yeah. and made 
some good profit, like if they sold rather than sell like a textbook. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm so glad that it's just this big hunk of. I love it. I mean, it's like one of my favorite things to have on the coffee table and pick up and just like having a cup of coffee, just like read one of the stories yeah. and like just revisit because it is like it is a textbook basically. And it's like so it's it's really cool to have like that depth of yeah. stories and photos. And yeah, it's special. Yeah. So on the side of it, it says volume one. Is there <laughs> two? You know, is, is there a two coming? Or? I, it's funny. Okay, so I was being so neurotic about Or is it like thing. volume, the only one? <laughs> volume one and only one. The last volume. Volume infinity. Volume infinity. I'm just going to keep adding to that one. I send people pages that bought the book. <laughs> put, put this in between. <laughs> this goes into between 322 yeah. and 4. Exactly. I, I was like being so neurotic about the whole process that in the middle of making the book, I wanted my friend's opinions that they like lived in Louisiana at the time. One of them still does. One of them lives in Denver now. But I flew to Louisiana to get their second opinion. I'm like, of like, hey, tell me which photos don't need to be in here. And if there's a reason why a bad photo is in there, I'll tell you. If not, if you don't see any, because like, after looking at it for so long, everything looks bad. I'm like, I've seen these photos yeah. 5,000 times. Yeah, you look at your own yeah. work enough and you hate every yeah. bit of it. even like the ones I thought were good, I look at them now, I'm like, oh, I don't want to see that photo again. Like, <laughs> they're nostalgic, but I'm like, I've seen it a million times. So I like flew to, to Louisiana to get their opinion. And there was some where they're like, this should be a full page. This doesn't need to, this doesn't deserve a full page, make it a half page. This one, just take it out. And at the end, I was like, all right. So I'm thinking about putting volume one what do you guys think? And he's like, you might be 50 years old when volume two drops and that's fine. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And I, yeah. So I put volume one to hold myself accountable and I've started working on two already. Sick. It might not be for another 10, who knows, 20 years. Uh, but in, in total, how long did the first one take? The first one, I was making it for four years and has seven years worth of photos. Wow. So, and yeah, this other one, it's funny now, like even like while doing trips, I I have it in the back of my head a book. Cause like a lot of the photos on that, in the first book were just shot regardless. But now I'm like, even just like things that happen were like a very specific scenario in an obscure situation. I'm like, I'm going to forget this. And I like write it down in my notes app. Like some weird thing that happened with a local. I'm like, I need to write about this. And I so like while I was in Europe this last time, like that'll be the first trip that's a part of the book, is just my notes app is full of like sentences. Even just like some things are just like situations like uh taxi driver in Morocco. And some is just like a line comes to my head and I'm like, I need to write that down. And so my notes app is just full of like just this random stuff. Cause now I'm like, I have it in the back of my head. Or even shooting things where I'm like, I wouldn't have shot this normally, but this will go along with like the story I'm telling. Yeah. So like documenting it differently. So it's like weird being on the trip, like in now even like starting to write for it as well. Like, like I've read so many different authors since I last wrote the other book. And I'm like, so now like I'm writing completely differently. I mean, even like when I was editing the last one, depending who I was reading at the time, I would like write real casual or I'm like, you know, I could, I, this sentence, this paragraph can use a little bit more if I was reading, like, you know, 
like depending who I was reading at the time would change the way I was writing, which I'm like, feel like that's how it goes for everything. Yeah. But like, yeah, I would like read Bukowski and I'm like, I can simplify this. Like, like I, I just blabbered for however long, but I'm like, this can be condensed condensed yeah. into one concise because like, he does it better than anyone else. Or I'd be like reading Kerouac and he'd ramble on for three pages without a period. And I'm like, not that I could pull that off, but I'm like, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, I can just ramble like an insane person and it, and just it work. Yeah. But, and again, of course, none of that is comparing my writing, but I'm just like, that's where I would get inspiration from. Or I'd be reading Escape magazine or BMX magazine. And I'm like, he just told that story so simply as if I'm sitting in front of them. And I'm like, I don't have to spice it up at all. I could just write it how it, but yeah. So everything was constantly changing, even just like, Who's, um, like whose work I was looking at, like That's photo cool. wise too, of just formatting. Do you ever look back at like pages in the book and like remember those periods of your life where you like, oh man, I was influenced by this, or yes. I was thinking about this, or I was dealing with this, yep. like all the time. It's like a time capsule. It really is. And there's a lot of times where I'm like, I look at photos, <laughs> and I'm like, why is that in there? Like, why? Well, how could I have looked at that in? InDesign and thought like, yep, that photo needs to be in there. I'm like, that could easily, like the photo beneath it could be a full page instead, but it's done. And I'm like, that's, and, but yeah, like looking at it, like, I'm like, there's, there's one section where I'm just talking about this concrete park in Australia. And I'm like, just rambling on about it. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm writing about concrete right now, but I'm like, <laughs> I love it. And then like re- looking back on it, I'm like, I'm like, I remember almost taking that out because I'm just like, I'm just rambling about like trying to speak poetically about this concrete hole in the ground. But I'm like, that's what I love though. Yeah. <laughs> and like looking back on it, I'm like, yeah. I'm, that's like, art. I'm dude. glad that that's in there. Like, cause, and even just like for writing for the second book now, I'm like getting like more, I wouldn't even go as far as saying vulnerable because I'm like, it's stories about trips, but at times just like, yeah, just like writing more personable, less just like, here's what happened. But yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you have any books left? I do. I do. And it was actually a kind of a mistake from the, from the printer because they wanted me to buy way more than I wanted to buy. And I was like, nope, I want to do like a small amount. And they're like, no, do like this many. And when they printed him, they accidentally printed a ton. Ooh. And they're like, we'll cover the shipping and we'll sell you the extras for super cheap. So I'm like, sure. So I have way more than I want. But the 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 stack in my basement has gone down way more than I ever expected it to. So That's I'm, sick. I'm happy with that. Hell yeah. And like I said, there's times where I'm like, man, for a, a, like a business model standpoint, 15 zines would have like really done well. Even like because we're selling it like under FTE. I'm like, that would have done well, like FTE wise, everything. But I'm like, like this was just like a project that I had in me that I had to get out as some chunk of like, you know, it's like, it's like looking at like a video part versus like, like an, an edit an, or, yeah, an edit yeah. or an Instagram clip or something like that. I'm like, I just had to get this chunk out and I could learn and do 15 zines for the next one. But I'm like, no, I want to make another. <laughs> four pound book (laughs) (laughs) well that's sick i mean yeah if if you guys that are listening right now have not checked these books out definitely go over what's the website is it fte Uh, it's fte collective.com sick 
Yeah, they're so sick. I, I need to get that. some more as well because we were selling them on the traction site and we sold out of them. Oh, sweet. Um, so I need to buy hear. some more from you. Can make that happen. Because people, it's cool like seeing people who don't even ride BMX like pick those books up and like enjoy them. I yeah. think that's like the coolest thing in the world. So yeah. yeah, we need to definitely get some more of those from you. Yeah, I'd, I'd be stoked to make that happen. And um, yeah, it, that's always like interesting to me when like someone that has nothing to do, especially when the cover is a photo of a tent in the bowl. And I'm like, I'm curious. I always wonder what someone that has nothing to do with action sports thinks of that or thinks they're going to open up to. But yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's cool that like people are stoked, man. Yeah. People are stoked on like subcultures too. You yeah, know? And I think yeah. that's like the beauty of what you've captured in that. It's like it is uh, authentic, genuine, very like true look into what this culture is. And like that's yeah. and the way that you go about it, talking about like not spending money like doing it as rugged as possible like mm -hmm. there's not a lot of people moving like that no so it's cool to like have that documented on paper and like to be able to read that and see that and experience that because most people are never gonna ever come close to experiencing anything like what you've talked about in this episode you know <laughs> what i mean like yeah. a lot of people i think like to think that they're capable of like well, maybe I'll sleep on the street tonight. But yeah. I think that like that's a very scary. Everybody is capable of that. Yeah. But yeah. it's very scary for a lot of people. It is. It is. And I realize like how lucky I am to be able to do that because I'm like, I mean, we, we knew these girls in college that were like, oh, we're going to drive across the country. How do you guys do it? And I'm like, don't do what we do. It is not <laughs> you safe will not for have you. fun. <laughs> get an Airbnb. <laughs> yes, please get an Airbnb for your safety. Uh, and but yeah, it is funny, too, because it's like, like I'll have sometimes I'll be in a place where I'm like, you know, everyone's eating at the nice restaurants, seeing all these tourist spots where I'm like, oh, they are seeing a lot. But I'm like, the reason I'm here is because I'm not doing that so I can afford it. And again, like now it's like, like I could travel differently, especially like working remote. I can like continue to work on the road. So, but like, I still love a night of having to like figure it out. And also just like, like you get a whole different look at, the culture like well you get to see it exactly how it is right exactly like, as opposed to like yeah going on those touristy places like mm -hmm. but nobody goes to those places that actually live there so like yeah again yeah. you're getting a true look into like cultures and subcultures and like yeah you're not getting this like view of like oh you went to the nice restaurant like well you can go to a nice restaurant here in america you exactly. know and, like it's Nice restaurants are just about all the same, right? Exactly, exactly. Sleeping on the street is not always the same, <laughs> it's, it's right? It's different every like, time, I can tell you that. So and... talking about these girls who wanted to go on this trip, you know, to California yeah. or whatever, like so many people want to embark on these crazy adventures, but they're scared because like, you know, the financial piece of it or the fear of the unknown. Like what advice would you give to people looking to get out there and like see more and you know, how, doing it without being scared. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the best thing you could do is like, as cliche as it is, is just, is just going for it. I mean, it will work out like absolute, in my case, worst case scenario, I'm sleeping at a train station. Uh, other worst case scenarios, you have to buy, you know, a more expensive hotel than you wanted to. Like it's, if you have this elaborate plan and something goes wrong, well, then you're kind of like, you know, okay, now what? Well, if you don't have a plan, I mean, granted, I go to the extreme with not having a plan sometimes, <laughs> like, and I get that. But like, if you don't, if you don't have a plan, like, there's, there's no, your plans can't go wrong. Yeah, you know, like, and the amount of times where like you see people like, like, oh, like, 
Yeah. I mean, and if I'm all for like any type of travel you can do, make it happen. Like see as much of this world as you possibly can. Even like the corners of the world you wouldn't expect to want to see because you'll learn something from it. But like the amount of times you'll hear like, oh, like I'm really like want, wanting to do this at some point, but I just like, I gotta, I, I don't have enough money right now or I have to do that. And like not everyone can travel as cheap as I've done it, but like not everything has to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. The you're not you're not ever going to find like the perfect hotel at the perfect price and the perfect plane tickets. Like, like go for it, and it will work in yeah. some way. Like it's like find somewhere you want to go, go there, and everything else in between is just like a bonus. Granted, it's like I'm in a super fortunate position where like I work remotely and can and I've like picked up photo work on the side where like. I'm able to be super flexible and leave and like like I was in Europe for a couple months and didn't take any time off because I just worked adjusted hours and not everyone can do that. But like even if you could just go somewhere for a week, I mean like don't wait for the stars to align because they never will. Yeah. Like it's you just have to do it and like and I'm like every just almost everything in that book is things that went wrong, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that's like where most of the beauty lies, right? It's so good. It's the rawest form of all yeah. of it. Yeah. How many times does something go right and you remember that vividly, but when something goes wrong, exactly. like, solving problems is the essence of life in yeah. my opinion. Like there's a, so much beauty yeah. in that. Like yeah. there's not very many times where you're like, everything went right today and yeah. you remember it, you know? Even in the moments on the trips where you're like miserable, it's like you look back on that and it's either funny Unless it was, you know, an extreme form of misery. But uh, it's funny or you learn something from it. And it's like, like you're not going to, you're not going to get that in a hotel surrounded by other tourists going on a tour with other tourists to a place that has tourists. Like, it's not going to, like, like, like Mason and I were talking about the other day. We went to Morocco. Our Airbnb was a scam. And we're like, let's go to the first hotel we can find. We only have one day here. Walked up to the first hotel, 40 bucks. Sure, why not? It was skid row unsafe like Dang. and we're, it, we were scared honestly in the moment staying there and but we look back on it we're like man <laughs> we made it through that we what a night. did it what a like, story right yeah like it was just like like we were the only people staying there like only other people we saw were the staff like it was just run down really wow. beat up like we genuinely were concerned for our belongings and ourselves and it's like man that's like we got the experience of Morocco 40 years ago. That's what people used to go there and experience. Now it's catered towards tourists, but we got we got the uh, Skid Row Morocco experience Dang. in Tangier. And it's like, like we look back and it's hilarious. That's and it's interesting. Like, like, I know, I love the, like, like there's only, there's only so much to, to learn from and like find and like in the perfection of, and the beauty of all that when everything's going perfectly fine where I'm like, there's something about the the roughness the like, like even like I think about that with like music and writing and everything. Like I love the imperfections. I love when it's just like someone rambling on and on for four pages and it ties in at the last sentence. And it's just like, that's what was together. in their head and it had to come out. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, nothing has to be. There's beauty in the chaos. Yeah, man. exactly. Like it, nothing has to be perfect for you to just, go on that trip because it never will be yeah i mean so talking about just going on the trip 
I'm very curious, money and time aside, what would be the ultimate trip or destination for you? Mm-hmm. And I, who would you bring along? Ooh. So in a in a more normal sense, I really want to do I haven't been to New Zealand still, and I want to do that for the amount of things to ride there, the the beauty of itself. And but from a more like obscure standpoint, I really and it's not and the only reason I haven't, I'm just like, well, one you have to find the 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 proper time and it's not always safe but i really want to do like like deep central and west africa like it's just something about like places that people don't go often and but i know that's a place where like you can wing it in asia you can wing it in europe you can wing it in the states like you can't just <laughs> kind of going back on what I just preached, but yeah, like you but it's can't, different, you can't man. fly to Central Africa and try to catch a bus to the next spot and then sleep on the street. Like yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, and like I like I really want to like it's just something about like that's not somewhere somewhere where people go. You know, there's countries that you forgot existed or you haven't heard of, and I mean that. And I do have. I don't know if I'm. I'll hold to this, but. I have like a personal thing with the second book that all seven continents have to be in it. Ooh. And I almost did that for the first one, but I was like, I'm at 400 pages and I don't see Antarctica in the future. <laughs> like, Antarctica isn't in the budget right now. But for the for the second book, I really want to have all seven. I mean, and I haven't done South America for some reason. For, for some reason, whenever I'm like, like going internationally, I think – going fully overseas, mm-hmm. Europe, Asia, whatever. But um gonna do South America with with Mason this year. Mason is the one I've done a lot of this with. I, Danny, um, I did a lot of my early traveling with and he's been super busy. And so like Mason and I have been doing a lot. We've done it's funny, I, him and I always say like him and I have done more romantic things together than I'd, I'll ever do with, with the girl. The <laughs> amount of places, romantic places, him and I have been together. That's amazing. But it's we have this pact that so I don't drink, and he has what I would even consider a phobia of gummy worms. So we have this pact that if we're ever in the Democratic Republic of the Congo together, which I've looked it up, and as if it's currently like heavy travel advisory, very unsafe it's to go there, there right now. Yeah, yeah. But if we are ever there together, I drink a beer and he has a gummy worm. Wow. <laughs> so that's, I want to go on that trip. <laughs> yeah. Please come on now. It's funny. We'll go our, on a coffee sourcing trip. Dude. And uh, I'll get to watch Rob drink a beer. <laughs> I am so down. <laughs> the only alcohol I've ever had was uh, this fermented snake wine on this island of Vietnam. It was like a cultural thing where I was like, I don't think I can say no to this. And I just like took it and I was like, that's technically my first and only alcohol. <laughs> but yeah, it's tough. I mean, I'm sure being in places like that where like it is culturally so rude to like di- deny yeah. like accepting a beverage mm-hmm. or like, you know, food items from people. Yeah. So like, yeah, what do you do? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, so, so that's, that, that's our, that's our one pact where I'm like, yeah. Cause that I wanted to do more of Africa, South America. Cause I haven't done that. Like I managed to last time cover a good chunk of, Europe, but there's more of Asia. And then when it, if it comes down to the book almost being done and I have to pay five grand to be a 
full tourist cruise to Antarctica, so be it. But I'd love to find some loophole on a cargo ship. Amazing, <laughs> dude. I'm sure. I mean, that's possible. It's It's been done. People have done it. Yeah. I was re- looking it up the other day and it was like someone got a job for two months on a freighter like that had to drop off supplies to scientists in, in Antarctica. And it was some of the hardest work he's ever done in his life. And I'm like, Man, okay? what? am anyway, I built for that? That's a book in itself. Dude, for like, real. That's something. Damn. Talking about wanting to do all seven continents, how many countries have you been to? Do you know? I think I I counted recently. I think it's I think it's forty five. And it's like it's funny because there's like some blurred lines as far as like like there's this one. Uh, there's this country called Kosovo, uh, that's within Serbia, and my friend and I went there recently, and Serbia doesn't consider it. Uh, a country so we were we were looking up like the route that we were going to drive we were in north macedonia and drive to kosovo and we're like there's any anywhere kosovo meets serbia as a dotted line I'm like that's kind of strange and, mm. she, and she looked it up and it's because serbia doesn't recognize kosovo as a country so if you were to enter kosovo and leave kosovo without ever touching serbia you get stamped in kosovo and leaving kosovo and it shows, as far as Serbia is con- concerned, that you entered Serbia illegally and left without getting a stamp because they don't view the Kosovo stamp as legal. Whoa. So you have to, in order, so you could do it, you won't have any issues, but if you try to go back to Serbia at any point, you might have some issues because they're like, you entered our country illegally five years ago, and as far as I'm concerned, you never left because you don't have a Serbian stamp leaving. So we, interesting. Yeah, we had to drive. We had to like there was no route. So even on maps, you couldn't route yourself from Serbia to Kosovo. You like the map takes you for like you could be it drives you along the border or something. Yeah, you could be right next to the border, and it'll take you five hours back through North Macedonia into Kosovo. So we had to just basically the rule is to to please everyone if you ever want to go back to Serbia. Um, drive into Serbia, enter Kosovo through Serbia, leave Kosovo into Serbia, and then go wherever you want. Whoa. So, but the maps won't take you there. So we're like on the Serbian countryside, zooming in on the maps, following these country roads to be like, okay, follow this, turn here. And there's one where it's just like, it just the road stops. So we got to go back up, go down oh this one gosh. and like enter this strange border in Kosovo. And they give you, they give Serbians, uh, white magnets to cover any Serbian signage on their license plate because they're that like there's that much of a feud there. And then wow. when you leave back into Serbia, you show that you're Serbian and take here. So Dang, that's crazy. And it's weird because it's like like because I was like counting something. There was like an app that my friend and I like we joke about like, oh like because you could add where you've been to on the app. We did it and then like like oh it doesn't recognize Kosovo because the UN doesn't recognize it because it's still yeah. It's just like an unsanctioned yeah. country, basically. It's, yeah. Wow. It's a wild so, thing. That's so but, nuts. It's crazy to think about like how countries are formed like in a, yeah, in a situation yeah. like that. So, damn, that's crazy. Yeah. Dude. Holy crap. So, even like you see in Spain, like the amount of like places that want to like break off and be their own, like Catalonia and like near Barcelona, they want to be their own. There's protests all the time. They want to be their own country. It's like, curious how many countries there will be that didn't exist now. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, just look at how many countries have split off and like mm-hmm. done their own thing. And like, there's been massive wars and civil yeah. wars and like 
yeah, it's crazy to see just like these imaginary lines drawn on yeah. these big land masses yeah, and like exactly. why and how they got there. Yeah. It's pretty bizarre. Yeah, especially like you just cross some invisible line and these people can't understand these people now. It's so it's nuts, like, dude. You can't get allowed back into that other invisible <laughs> exactly. line. Exactly. I'm like, now I'm stuck in this on yeah. this side of the invisible We're line. We're never allowed back in that place. Dude, it's Damn. A bizarre. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, sick, man. As we move into wrapping this up, I've yeah. just got two more questions for yeah, you. Maybe, yeah. Um, well, actually, technically, I have three. Okay. This one's really important. Okay. Ricky Augenbaugh, this is a shout out to him. He asked me to ask you what kind of conditioner you use. <laughs> you know, it's, like it, it's funny he asked that because it's the cheapest one I could find on the shelf at the time, <laughs> at any time. <laughs> That's how you get it's, these beautiful flowing locks, ladies and gentlemen. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of uh, neglect and uh, buying whatever's cheapest at the store. Heck yeah, <laughs> I love it. I'm shocked you had an answer for the, the conditioner, man. Dude, I well, so for it's a, a long answer. time I didn't have it. I didn't even use it, and because my hair is so like thick and curly, I had. Like there was once I was like, I'm gonna we're driving across the country. I'm like, I'm gonna not bring a brush. I'm not gonna use conditioner. And I had like five dreads by the end of it. And I was like, we got to fix yeah, this. I'm like, okay, this is tough. Like I, and I like slowly picked him out and I'm like, I should start brushing my hair. Oh, that's funny. But it is. Yeah. Just the cheapest stuff I could find. <laughs> that's easy, dude. Yeah. That, that's on brand for you. So. Yeah. Right. There was once I was on a trip and I was like, it was somewhere in Asia. I'm like, I just needed some type of conditioner. I'm like, I haven't washed my hair in however long. I'm not going to be able to get a brush through it if I don't have like some sort of conditioner. And I just, there was like these two bags, like these two, like, like you tear off bags as if it's like a packet of ketchup. And I'm like, perfect. <laughs> it works. I love it. Well, sick, dude. These are the two important questions. Okay. That okay. one was just, yeah, as I was putting these questions together today, Ricky's over there roasting and I was yeah. like, is there anything you really want to know about Rob? And he wanted to know what kind of conditioner you use. Fellow long hair. So. Man, respect. Yeah. Respect. Good on him. So if you could go back to your younger self and give yourself a piece of advice, mm. what would that be? So, oh, man, that is tough. But it's a lot of, I, I feel like I've already taken my own advice in this sense because when I was super young, I mean, this is a whole other topic that we haven't talked about, but when I was super young, I was like very like, high anxiety ocd like i was in i was in therapy before i knew what therapy was as a kid i was like super high anxiety for stuff and like i didn't know what was going on and like this was like i don't even remember like the age but like super super anxious with things and like it was when i started riding bikes that i'm like man these people don't care about anything they're having so much fun it's sick and it's like and i'm like i gotta be more like that and i'm sure like the the, the therapy as a child helped but I think a lot of it was like being around people like that that like snapped me out of it and like I think part of me thinks that's why like I ran in such the opposite direction of just like who cares just go everything will work out because I was like maybe that's just like running away from like my opposite self when I was a kid but I feel like the only advice I could, could give would just be like to, to take that on, that, that mentality on even earlier and just the sense of like doing whatever you believe in and doing it for the sake of you wanting to do it. And like, granted, I've been lucky with a lot of things, like I said, like just like my work positions where I'm able to like 
take off and uh, still do all these trips, but like doing whatever it is you believe in, whether it is music, riding, riding a bike, skating, and like just doing it because you, so like, I don't know. I feel like having, you meet anyone that's had any type of passion that's been, a, that's controlled their life and and no one's got it all figured out. But if you have some sort of passion that you love as much as life itself, you've you've gotten it's helped you guide it's helped guide you in some sort of it's a beautiful foundation yeah i mean even just i think all the time i'm like man the amount of times i could just like go off and ride my bike i'm like what how do people do it when they don't have Mm -hmm. anything to yeah kind of a ground a place of grounding Yeah. yeah so it's like taking that one thing you love and just like let it run you to the ground like care about it enough for it to destroy you and I like love that. yeah, and it's like I mean I think too it just even down to like the the specifics of it. I mean like I said like moving to Orlando just like got more into like riding concrete and just bowls, and I'm like and that's like ex- like Mason was down with it too, and like we just like you guys doing the same thing it started chasing down. Oh, I saw this photo of this bowl that exists six years ago, and I don't know if it's still there. And but just like chasing these holes in the ground, basically all around the corners of the globe, and sometimes that's just an excuse to go there. Yeah, you know, you get to that bowl, you did the same thing you did at the bowl ten minutes from your house, but like, like you still went there. But you went you there and off. you experienced everything else in between. Like, like I feel like Chris said it best, comparing it to big wave surfing. It's like that's really what it is. It's just this thing that exists out there, and it's like you got to just get to it. Yeah, and. If the, the the journey is more fun than the destination nine times yeah, out of ten, yeah. right? But like, exactly. Sometimes you get to the bowl, you're at it for an hour, but you wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's That's so cool. Yeah. Man. Hell yeah. This next question is kind of in the same vein as the last one. Okay. But do you have any parting motivating words for people that are listening? Oh man. And I, I also want to say before you answer this one, you talked a little bit about luck in your last answer. And I've heard you describe a lot of like sacrifice and just like adversity over your life so far. Like you've avoided leases and you've surfed couches and like you've put in so much work that probably you don't consider work because you are passionate. So yeah, I don't believe that that's luck. You were just put in the work and you were in the right place at the right time. So that's really cool. I I appreciate that. I mean, it's because yeah, I do think of it as luck, but yeah, when you put it like that, I mean, it really is like, like I feel like, most people at that point would have just okay i need it's time for the time for the real job now yeah and just like well what's that saying it's like you gotta you gotta live like people won't to live how people can yeah and that's exactly what you have exhibited since you were young man like not a lot of people have that story to tell so yeah yeah, that's sick Uh, yeah i feel like yeah that is kind of what it just comes down to is being 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 willing to, I feel like it goes back to what I said earlier, just like believing in whatever you believe in hard enough to like be irrational about it, you know? Like if you care about something that much, like like it doesn't it doesn't matter what you're supposed to do or how you should go about things. I mean, at the end of the day, like as cliche as it is, you're not going to look back and be like, oh, good thing I was, good thing I was stable. Yeah. Like you're gonna, you got the district, right? Good thing I, thing I sat there and made all that money. And now what? Yeah. What did I do with it? Like, and I, and I know I have a skewed perspective on all that, but it's like, I'm like truly, I'm like, I think all the time, I'm like, well, if I had 
if I had some crazy high paying job right now, what would I want to do with it? I mean, I would be want to be doing exactly what I'm doing. I just wouldn't have the time to take off work. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, you know, what are you going to do with that? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that's what it comes down to is believing in whatever you are passionate enough to to see it through. Yeah. And like, like as ridiculous as it all might seem at times to to stick with it, whatever it may be, it's like, like how ridiculous is everything yeah. at all times? Yeah, you nothing know? is real. Yeah, I mean, I, in my opinion, you know, sitting at that same desk every day until you're retired and too old to do anything that you want to do the whole time is even more ridiculous than sleeping in someone's front yard in France because yeah. you didn't have anywhere to sleep, you know? Like, that's, yeah, like. I mean, that's beautifully described, just like perspective, right? Like yeah, that is yeah. that is the essence of perspective. Like the guy sitting at the desk probably looks at what you're doing and is like, what is that guy doing? Yeah, exactly. And then you're looking at the guy at the desk and you're like, what is that guy doing? Yeah. And it's like perspective, yeah. man. And it's, it's like we're the degenerates sometimes in those situations. But it's like I, I I think about that a lot on like trips where it's like people are like, I mean, again, and it's, it's so good that getting out there in any type of shape or form. But I'm like the, these people that are, you know, doing the 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 normal type of tri- type of trip, and I'm there lugging all my bags on top of my bike while walking to the next place to sleep, and bringing your bag over the cobblestone, and you're, you know, you slept on the floor last night. But it's like that's why I'm here because that's the only way I'm able to do this. Cool. And it's like, and that's yeah, I'll take that any day over having to. Yeah, you, you, I'll, I'll never regret any of it, even even when it sucks in the moment. Like I said, like that hotel in Morocco was a disaster. <laughs> I was scared to sleep that night. Yeah, <laughs> Mason and I both were. But if you look back, and it's hilarious. You've got a great now. story out of yeah, it. Yeah, right? exactly. And again, I'm like, not everyone can be in the position to do that. Like I said, those girls in college, I'm like, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> don't, please that is, don't. That is not an advised <laughs> thing. That, that's unsafe. <laughs> Well, hell yeah, dude. This has been so much fun. I'm so, yeah. so stoked that we finally we did it. got to do this. <laughs> finally like, did it. Beautiful words, incredible stories. And yeah, for anybody listening, if you're interested in that book, go check it out because it is, it's phenomenal. Great. You work. absolutely Thank knocked you, it out of the park, dude. Appreciate so, that. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, we'll wrap this thing up. Cool. And uh, hopefully ride some bikes tomorrow. Please. Yeah. Sick, man. Would love that. Well, thank you guys all so much for listening. If you're enjoying these episodes on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And if you're listening to them on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon, please leave us a review. It greatly helps get the word out and allows us to keep this project rolling. Thank you for being a part of the Traction family, and we'll catch you on the next one. Keep being scared of normal. We're out. There it is. Done. Dude. (laughs) We did it. Can you just say, like, introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, any, like... Just just say like my name is Yeah, I'm blah blah blah. Just for like the when I'm cut the Yeah, yeah. I'm Robert Perenko. Perfect. I wasn't sure that sounded too open ended, like I was about to keep going. Yeah. You can do another one if you want. <laughs> yeah. I'm Robert Perenko. Perfect. <laughs> That's the exact same one. <laughs> Sick dude.